0: namaste motherfuckers and welcome to tantric conversation episode number 75 bob nastanovich bob nastanovich was uh, a member of pavement there in the 90s and i don't remember how far in the 2000s they went a little ways i guess kind of lost track of them after bright in the corners i think but uh you know as it's been mentioned on this podcast before oh by the way this is my name's Curtis, Curtis Payne, and this is my podcast, Tantric Conversation, long talks without any research, without any planning, without any uh, intention other than to get two people together and have a conversational jam session. Whoa, what was that? What's going on here? Technical difficulties. Um, if this is the first time you've ever checked this podcast out, that's the deal. We just... Uh, We just set up the mics and we go and we don't edit. Um, I don't do any research. I just, I figure whatever I find out by talking to somebody is what I want to know rather than come up with questions beforehand. So that's what you get. And, you know, there are plenty of parts of this conversation that I would have taken out to make myself look better because I'd love to look like I uh, always knew about the cool bands and always knew about punk rock and always knew about the underground records and always knew about pop culture esoterica, but I didn't. I moved to New York when I was like 24, and maybe I was hipper than some, but I was not super hip. I, uh, But I, had, I, had, I got lucky up there. I met a lot of really cool people. I stumbled into some really cool jobs and fucked them up. But while I was there, I really got my horizons broadened, and I learned a whole lot about not just, you know, being able to name check specific cultural touchstones, but kind of the, how it all kind of goes together and what the uh, underlying iconoclastic mentality was. And that really, really stuck with me and really, really changed my life. Um New York uh, was my graduate school, I guess you could say, after I got done college and I went up there for four years and learned a lot of stuff. And um, so Bob was around, you know, the all of the different bands on Matador at that time were around. It was a small label then. It was um, there were probably twelve people that worked there at that, and uh, we one uh, me and one other guy shipped about a million dollars worth of product a year out of the little offices on Broadway, and I did that for a couple of years when I wasn't sleeping one off. Um, met a lot of cool people, heard a lot of good music, learned about a whole lot of shit, and um, it was really. It was great to be part of that label, you know, looking back on it, it's really, uh, it was uh, incredibly well curated, as the kids like to say these days, there weren't any stinkers on there, and it was really about, you know, the whole package of, uh, well, I don't know about the whole package, but it was definitely about, you know, ideas, songwriting, like, the shit that lasts, and uh, the dude that started that label really... Knew his shit and had good taste. I was just a bumbling idiot in there, and I uh, I talked a lot of shit. I, I I look back and cringe sometimes over the crap that I had to say about bands that you know later on became some of my favorite bands ever. But what are you gotta do? You gotta you gotta start somewhere, right? You don't born knowing everything, or as my uncle likes to say, it's what you learn after you know everything that really counts. So it's been about. Three months since I've posted one of these podcasts or recorded one, and this seems like a really great place to break the ice and get back into it. I promise I will be doing at least one a week going forward, no matter what. I have that set that goal for myself. It's my little love letter to Richmond and my little gift to you guys, and uh, I uh, I hope you appreciate it and you enjoy it. And if you uh, you know if you're ever moved, there is a donate. Button on a page on the website tantricconversation.com, and you can always kick in a few ducats, throw on some snaps on the petrol, and help a brother out. So I can, uh, you know, I'm still working on upgrading this equipment. You know, I'm still playing this this mixer through the audio jack on a 15-year-old laptop. So it's time to upgrade. But then again, you know, hey, that's that's the old DIY indie rock punk rock ethic it's the zine of podcasts we got going here you know warts and all so uh yeah you know what's up but those of you who are new i hope you got some idea about what we got going on here and you know what to expect as we get on into a truly add ramble between me and bob Nastanovich. so uh you know fasten
1: your seatbelts as they say well cool. that's nice i just bought all this stuff not this exi- i mean not the, i mean i just bought stuff i bought audio equipment for the first time and whatever
0: yeah this thing i got off of craigslist for 50 bucks here yeah that's like a $200 unit right is it i don't know i'd say 150 it could be uh it, it'd be better if it had the usb yeah 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 out thing on it it doesn't it's got yeah. like um just like, i'm actually running this through the uh, microphone uh on the sound uh, the card the jack thing yeah. yeah 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 that's cool yeah I used to have a USB one but it crapped out on me at, yeah at one point are you comfortable there that that cord's kind of short there that's how it's perfect slack. right there yeah. Yeah, yeah as long as you're
1: alright with, yeah, with your good. mixing console on that um position right I need there. to get a producer <laughs> or
0: somebody who can play with this shit so I can just focus on running my app
1: well no I mean you've listen. got this I mean once it's set up once it's rolling just
0: it's true yeah. I think we got good levels here yeah yeah so we were just talking about you were just getting into your job. So you're living in Des Moines. Yeah, i live Iowa, in Des Moines and for dude, seven years. Do they say Des Moines out there? They, they do. Don't...
1: Well, people who don't like the flight stewardesses, the they <laughs> go there, they completely unaware of the place. Right. Yeah, but no, yeah, no. Uh It's kind of a it's kind of a city that in the last ten years has really kind of blossomed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's actually pretty cool. Like when we first moved there, it was we were like, oh man, this is really dead. Like, thank God we're old. And it's gotten pretty cool. So it's kind of been like, so it's kind of had like a cultural, you know, renaissance in the last. What is,
0: what do you consider to be cool at this point? Like what do you, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Us being aging, uh, um, rockers and all that. Well, I mean,
1: it's nice in a city like that to have, and I think Richmond's loaded with them, but like really good food (laughs) options. And I think just about everywhere has good bar options and as somebody you know who was in bands and likes Mm -hmm. to watch bands a couple of decent venues Mm -hmm. and um so yeah just kind of like a a good like art and music scene Mm -hmm. all things that richmond definitely has sort of always had Mm -hmm. and then kind of the beauty of des moines at this point compared to cities like nashville and louisville and richmond where i've lived previously is that um, they're really, uh, these places, Richmond, especially I've noticed Nashville's insane. There's been such a huge population boom. It seems like, like the traffic here is insane in Richmond. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it being that traffic-y and, um,
0: it depends on the time of day. I mean, yeah,
1: know. but it is like, uh, it just seems like the fan and the area down by VCU where I used to hang out when I was a kid and then, um, Certainly, the south side of town is just you know you you can't really even recognize it. Mm -hmm. It just seems like I I think these are all probably good things overall. um, But it just seems like a lot more populated city, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot busier place, and there's a lot more going on, Mm -hmm. and um, which is good because I think that like when I was in high school here now, which was thirty years ago, where'd you go to high school? Trinity. You went to Trinity Trinity Episcopal, yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I went there, my sister went there. I went to, um What year did you graduate real quick? 80, I don't place you. 85. 85. Were you there? Was that where was Sean Harris,
0: did you know him? Was, yeah, was he, he was I knew there. him,
1: but he, he didn't go there. Oh, but he, he went had a lot Freeman, of, Freeman, that's right. He had a lot of friends from Trinity. Who was yeah. it that went to Trinity
0: that ended up like being rockers? Steve right? West. Yeah, okay. But he was in yeah. pavement also. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And he had a band called Contacook Line because they all oh, went to yeah. VCU. And they, yeah. and all those guys went to Trinity. John Smith, Rob Williams, Hamby Carter, and uhm. Kanthaklu
0: Klein played a mixer at my high school when I was like a sophomore
1: in <laughs> Marymount. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a cool little school. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was it's, it's actually. It's defunct now, right? Totally gone. Yeah. For but, a
0: Catholic school, it was like it had, even though there were nuns walking around there telling you to tuck in your shirt and like yeah. making the girls like keep their skirts at a certain length. The student body and the overall vibe there mm-hmm. was pretty liberal. Yeah. You know, it was pretty great. sweet. Program, in a way. music, and It just what. went out of business, like, cause of other I think more it was aggressive too, private schools. I, yeah. That. And I think it was like, you know, a lot of it, it got to be like the school that kids who got kicked out of St. Catharines right. and some of those other schools went I to. They got dumped there. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's original claim to fame is, you know, it's all girls. So they're yeah, not yeah. messing with boys all day. So there were guys there.
1: Right. Um, right. but I
0: think they just, I think yeah they got they got beat by more competitive schools but also yeah. I think that liberal kind of vibe over there wasn't with the people with the really money you know the big money I think things haven't changed in that regard probably Right they they, they <laughs> you no know, no we're paying good money to have our kids be fucking cookie cutters Yeah yeah you know? yeah one yeah. we well, thing I've kind of noticed fraternity. about fraternity <laughs>
1: yeah the whole shebang yeah. And um, one thing I've noticed about that culture is it seems like um, The public school option here has improved a lot from the standpoint of they have these – like the public schools have these centers now for gifted kids that you have to apply to. Mm-hmm. It's a concept that's like totally foreign the to The governor's – like the governor's school? Well, it's sort of like the governor's school, but the governor's school is really for like the top mm-hmm. shelf. And then like there's a pretty large – like for example, Hermitage has like over a 100 kids that go to the center hmm. there. And they're all – how do you know about this? Well, my my sister has three boys. Oh, okay. And one of them goes to Hermitage, and he's a senior. And the other one went to Freeman, but he was part of the center. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, they kind of have to apply. It's kind of like, I guess it's kind of like to sort of offset the whole private school having to pay because there's right. places like Trinity when I went there. Since my sister was going there at the same time, was pretty much incredibly affordable in mm-hmm. the eighties. The but I'm pretty sure. All those schools now are like in the $20,000 range. Yeah. I think St. they were. St. Chris, St. Catharines, Collegiate, Benedictine, yeah. Trinity. I think they're all St. over Richard's. 15. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, when I went I to, I think there
0: were like two or, I, I, my dad was telling me that when I went to VCU, VCU was cheaper than Marymount, but I think that's probably, but Marymount was around two or three thousand. VCU is
1: like one of the best bargains and you know, It used to be. I think it's gotten
0: pretty it's gotten heavy too. Yeah. Cause yeah.
1: UVA was cheap when I went there. Yeah, you know what I mean. State or cheap school, in you, state. right? Right. But now it's really expensive and impossible to get into. And I was just there the other day. You've been up there, Charlottesville? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I got a friend that uh has a club up there. Oh who, yeah. What's um, it called? Main Street. Well, it's called the Anti Room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know it? No. Oh well, it used to be called. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> he yeah. just named it that, though. It was called the Annex or Main Street Annex, and okay. it's an annex to that skating rink. Up there, and he's got like a side room there. He's from here. His name's Jayon. Okay, and um, he was just booking bands up there. He's got this great little thing going where like you're too small to get, you know, really booked in in an actual venue. Venue, but like those bars that want to have a band playing from like ten to. Yeah, two o'clock in the morning like
1: quieter things are loud or what? well it's you know whatever
0: the, the kind of jam band the guys that'll play a shitload of covers and then yeah, stretch yeah, them yeah. out for about 10 minutes and there's a lot play of that. two sets there's and, always been a lot of that yeah so he i mean he he kind of <laughs> he helps connect the people who run the places yeah. with those kinds of bands and he connects those bands with booking right and, right right and he was doing so much of that he decided to get his own place and yeah. start having shows there well good for him because it's it's a, yeah. it's a it's a high business. risk.
1: It, well, that in Charlottesville is high dollar. Mm-hmm. You'd mm-hmm. think, but
0: they yeah. have an interesting. I've gone up and worked the door for them, and and was kind of helping them out with it. It's <laughs> a pretty interesting kind of a ra- uh, collection of bands in that area, like these yeah. weird little metal bands from like Harrisburg, yeah. And, you know,
1: punk bands, and there's some you know. weird. Like when I'm up there, I, I go to WTJU, and I usually do a radio show with somebody, mm-hmm. and they kind of they play things that uh, there's a really great band. I'm trying to. Remember. I know their their name is. They were for a couple of years. They were called Y'all. Mm-hmm. That and sounds be, familiar. Before that, they were something else, and then some member left of Y'all, and then they went back to their original name, and so that's what they currently are. And I can't remember the original name. So basically, I'm just kind of babbling on about nothing. But, <laughs> um, and then there was that band um Fire Tapes up there. That then the one girl. From Fire Tapes left to move to D.C., and she's in that band X-Hex now. Who I think are playing here in a few days. I think they're playing here on the ninth. sounds familiar. The Mary Timoney, She's yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. who you're talking about? She's or, in a band called X-Hex now. She's with Mary Timony. that Yeah, band. yeah. She's in that band, and she was in a really great Charlottesville band called Fire Tapes before okay. that. And I listened to their CD, and they sound great. I've
0: been meaning to check out X-Hex, and I didn't even really great live band. find my way through what was the other one flag or pink uh, flag? wild flag wild flag Wild Flag. they're yeah. really good too but yeah. that was kind of
1: like a super group
0: right the sledder slater kenny yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah the drummer and she's out of this world janet's fantastic but um i love that old helium helium show, was though. great mm-hmm. helium was pavement tour with helium they were awesome yeah yeah but mary's great and she's the she's and i saw that band that band actually came to ames which is where iowa state is this summer and they're mm-hmm. I think they're playing Richmond on the 9th
0: of December. Yeah,
1: strange matter. <clears throat> I could get yeah. the
0: phone out but this is just...
1: No, I'm sure I'm pretty I'm like 99% sure. But you should go to that if you're I will in town.
0: definitely. I always yeah. really liked that band. You know, when I first started working at Matador, mm. like that wasn't like my shit, you know? Yeah. like Pavement was the only band that uh-huh. I knew about and mm. and liked going into yeah. that and, oh, and and Unsane. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was a kind of a Interesting. They were dark, like, <laughs> yeah. but everything else I just like guided by voices. Um, yeah. helium. Liz Fair. I mean, none of that. I wasn't like. Yeah. I was leaning more towards like the touch and go, harder uh, stuff. me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. All, the earache. And, like, I never really. <laughs> I mean,
1: <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I got like one of those dealios in my throat right now.
0: Oh well, you got some water there at least, and
1: yeah, that that might help me out. Hold on, real quick.
0: You got to hawk something up. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> was that more it's productive? Frog. <laughs> Was That's that a right, productive yeah. one? We've you got movement. <laughs> Throat movement. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Um, but I think when you're at Westminster or Canterbury, when you're hanging out there, you don't oh, right. really talk that much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like Liz Fair, Cat Power. Oh, yeah. Things like that, that were big there. John Spencer. Well, and
0: I ended up liking that stuff a lot. Yeah. It's just, when well, I went in there,
1: it wasn't uh, my thing. Yeah. And I didn't even. Were you like more like a scratch acid like yeah I mean Naked Reagan Big Black I you know I wish I even had buttholes like, I liked
0: Big Black and Butthole Surfers but yeah. like, my whole punk rock education was extremely spotty like yeah. I, I knew more
1: about the Richmond based
0: you know I wasn't even really into yeah. punk rock seriously like until yeah. I worked at Matador and yeah. it was kind of an ironic uh, like intro to it I think no well pun intended and no pun intended. Um, because there was so much <laughs> irony involved in everything. Yeah, yeah, that place. Oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> I was into like metal, and yeah. then hip hop was like, oh, we're not hip hop, yeah. even just rap. Like when Public yeah. Enemy and all that shit came out. Yeah, that's what I think. Punk to me, living in this neighborhood, that sounded like. Oh yeah, yeah. I, that was the punk. You know. Yeah, it fit the vibe. Yeah, and yeah. um, and you know, I knew about about grunge. Do you I, like the, the whole, like well, grunge sure. thing? But you know, like I didn't know
1: like Mud Honey. I liked Mud them? Honey. And Dinosaur, all that. right. Yeah. yeah,
0: I liked all that stuff. And, I, you know, yeah. I was,
1: of course, listening to, like, How about, like, James Laughing Edition. Hyenas? Did you like them? Yep. D. Mm-hmm. D- Kreutzen?
0: Don't remember them.
1: Yeah, I know that so name, but I don't think I listened to them. There's yeah. this guy I know in Milwaukee named Sahan, and he's writing a book about D. Kreutzen and how they were just, like, somehow, like... like Well, they, had, they made a great hardcore record in the 80s. And then oddly they sort of kind of mixed they're from milwaukee and they were like they toured with everybody Mm -hmm. and they played richmond and uh, they were pretty amazing hardcore band like just fantastic band and then they sort of switched their style around and they started like incorporating that kind of gothy elements and the guy the singer this guy dan kubinski was an amazing screamer Mm -hmm. and it just never they somehow like every move they made was sort of wrong
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and it was like during the same time yeah, as like yeah. the rise of like sonic youth they'd, they'd open mm-hmm. for sonic youth and stuff and like the rise of all that sub pop stuff and they just didn't really have they were on touch and go mm-hmm. and they just didn't have really any backing and they just eventually just kind of faded it's one away of those where they I were amazing it. they were like you'd see them and they play for like 60 people And i lived in new york and they were just pretty much out of this world mm-hmm. fantastic awesome. but nobody liked them yeah
0: that's one of those um that you remember dave martin that worked at yeah, yeah yeah absolutely he calls the great american loser rock band yeah you know? they're all oh, those yeah. And, and they sort of are it's almost better that they kind of stay at that level you know in a way of, for it's us different kind of you know, legendary yeah
1: <laughs> but yeah i mean this guy's finally hopefully giving them their just due he's interviewing like a lot of people from uh that worked with them and appreciated them and They eventually just sort of like quit because it wasn't working, you know. But I think a lot of it, you know, I think a lot of kind of the interesting thing about being in bands is a lot of it really comes down to like your name, like whether people like to think it or not. But like if it's just like a a movie, like a totally forgettable movie title. Or a, like, for example, like you think of a movie like uh The Great Santini or something. Mm-hmm. You know that movie, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, you always Robert thought it was, a, yeah, you always thought it was about a magician when you, right. you already. And then obviously, it's nothing like that. Or like right. uh, Breaking Away, which is about those cyclists, like right. in Indiana. You know, like the cutters. You know, mm-hmm. so like bands. One I think of my it's sort of the same movies. way. Like Decroyson sounds like a really mean, like kind of death metal band. Sure, it sounds like, <clears> like industrial German metal. Exactly. So that yeah. would be like sort of dark and like techno like, or not even techno like, kind of, like, Ministry, or, like, Einser's on a Neubotten, or, mm-hmm. like, Nurse with right. Wound, or, like, Trisomy 21, or, like, mm-hmm. all these weird, like, essentially unlistenable bands that <laughs> that sell just as many records. Like, you notice that, like... Did you buy vinyl? On I'm the- laughing
0: because I love that was I got introduced to that expression <laughs> at, at Matador,
1: you know, essentially like, unlistenable. Yeah, would come back. <laughs> I would be
0: listening to music, and you yeah. always came to the shipping department to smoke, you know. And oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's come, gone now. Yeah, that vibe. no smoking in there. Well, yeah. I mean, I think. Um, you know that you know the band that that oh, Yesper. You, you remember Jesper? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's gone. Endless
0: Boogie. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you
1: follow Endless Boogie?
0: I check them out when I, you know, I've never gotten to see them live, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he or Matt will post, you know, some yeah. video of theirs or they're active something like that. Yeah, they're active. They're like kind of the biggest they've ever been,
1: really. I think like, so.
0: Yeah, because yeah. they were just. Them getting together in a practice space like everybody would do in New York. Jamming and, and then yeah.
1: taking it to the live stage and playing one song. Rarely. Right? Yeah, and then being And they start playing shows all the time, apparently,
0: like in the last 10 years. or
1: I guess like so. That. No, yeah, definitely. Definitely in the last 10 years. I, I think they've actually been pretty busy in the last couple of months. But they have fans. And I think they kind of for, sort of like... F- see, I don't really... Do you spend any time like... You know how like this whole New York currently has become the city that's like that like if you if you've spent time there you were there like during a certain era like the current era in terms of like like for example if you and i got in your suv right now and drove up to new york with like 300 dollars cash each and we were going to spend four days there we had somewhere to crash like would we put ourselves in the thick of like the ultra you hear about this like ultra hipster like almost like nauseating right green point williamsburg axis mm-hmm. and the way it's always described in fact recently i was in i was in mexico city and there was i talked to some really cool kids that i'd met on the internet there and and they said oh you don't want to go there it's kind of like the Mexico City version of Williamsburg. It's, like, super trendy and, shoot, and, and you kind of want to in a way. Like, I'd yeah. like to see, like, because Mexico City is one of those, unfortunately, musically, it, in terms of, like, hard, in terms of rock, okay, they're, like, pretty much stuck in, like, the Stone Temple Pilots Pearl Jam type This access. is the reality of Mexico City right it, now. Which, uh-huh. it's inexcusable. Like, right. it's inexcusable that like, pretty much... And actually just in the last five days, have they had things go down, they had some sort of festival or somebody put something on where there actually were some pretty cool things going on Mm -hmm. there. Um, the brat band, that guy killer Mike's Mm -hmm. in was down there. Um, the name escapes me. And, um, it's, like, on the tip of my tongue. But, um like, Sleater Kinney played there. They had, like, a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, like... A it's, festival? Yeah. Like, you know, bands go to Santiago, and they go to Buenos Aires, and they play in Brazil. Right. It's so cheap to go to Mexico City and get a round trip from Chicago for $250.
0: i am really curious about that. I want to get back to the question you were asking about where, what would you do in New York now? Well, what would we
1: do? I mean, well, would we go out know, and let's mix it up with, like, would we go have, like, a, you know...
0: I, you know, I'm aware that, like, it's shifted. It's not like it was when,
1: when I was there, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: If you do, you'll be irritated by the fact that it's a high-end clothing
1: boutique. That's basically. that kind of thing. Yeah, I've seen, seen it. Cause so whatchamacallit, see, you know, it's still there. I bought our, the base bar and pavement. He still works at, um, the Cajun restaurant that's right by CBGB's has really? been there forever. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like a bar and Cajun restaurant. That- Great Jones, yeah, Great Jones. Yeah, yeah. That's still there. That's still sort really? of the same. And he
0: still works there.
1: He still works there. Is he in
0: Sonic Youth?
1: Now? he was, okay. you know. But then he kind of now he just he writes for a food magazine called Lucky Peach, hmm. which is really cool. And he's got a kid. Oh wow! And he and his he and his girlfriend and they live like near Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And he's done some stuff like working for a food photography company, and he does restaurant jobs and. And she's she's really brilliant. She makes she designs clothes for like yeah. movies and stuff like that. She like whatever. She's an out uh, what do you call those people? Wardrobe. She's uh-huh, a wardrobe uh-huh. person for movies. So they do they hang in there, you know.
0: Yeah, I have got some. You know, my sister's still up there. On where is she? D.
1: Like,
0: uh, no way. Yeah, she lives. She's been living in a walk up there for. She's 15 in Manhattan. Years. Yeah. On on like it's basically Houston. Yeah. But like the streets kind of come down to a point there at yeah D. so it's way like first, over there. second and and yeah. house and are really one street it's way right over there. there yeah yeah yeah
1: um and what does she think of it i mean does she well she's what in does the she fashion do? industry she's oh, a okay. tailor
0: and she does uh um, yeah. like fittings and and stuff on like mostly mostly fashion stuff a little bit of like commercial she's actually just gotten some job with those girls girls for a, a yeah. magazine but um she i mean she's kind of got the attitude like she's more in this like grown up. She's world, in her world. I guess yeah. yeah. So what it it seems to me that like um like all right, when I moved up there, the reason I moved there is cuz I mm-hmm. wanted to find this concentration of people that I thought were mm-hmm. cool. Interesting and, and cool. Yeah. yeah. And and I wasn't even that mm-hmm. cool at mm-hmm. that point. Just yeah. I was just for Richmond. <laughs> I was yeah. like right. you know for whatever cool means. I mean, I yeah. didn't, like this sort of exhaustive knowledge of like Records and bands. <laughs> I was literate, but like I was no average Matador employee who you know yeah, had worked in a record store, like fumbling everything. Yeah, and
1: hated. I think yeah. Jesper, well those a lot of those people were miserable. Jesper said to me about Dave. He hates <laughs> he
0: hates more bands than you like. You know. That's yeah, like exactly. Kinda,
1: yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So
0: I was really eagerly. <laughs> He's a great guy. I was really looking for that kind of shit, you know, like trying yeah. to get an education, trying to be in the thick of things yeah. like, you know, I wanted to hang out at international bar and maybe Kim Deal was in there and right. all of that shit. Yeah. So now I don't care about that
1: as much. Well, that's an age thing. I mean, right. how old were you when you moved there? 24. Yeah. See, it's like like kind that. of like a post-college radio type mindset. So, yeah. And Matadors was, was – is. And that was an Great accident. place to you go. Know,
0: I got that job through Mark Roth, you know, because yeah. he knew Steve. And, oh, yeah. and he hated working there because it was, yeah. like, just, you know, packing boxes. People. So And I was like, this oh, yeah, is so yeah. much better than what I've been doing. Like, yeah, hook me up. Yeah. But, like, I had no interest. It, I mean, I always tell people it's like that Narnia thing. Like, I couldn't have gotten through the wardrobe if I was actually trying to. Like, right. if I wanted to work there, it never would have happened. And I was –
1: Rusty. It was Rusty. Rusty was there. That Patrick. Was, yep. Yeah, he's great. He's still there. Nils Nils is not there anymore.
0: Yeah, and he came in. So I was there when it was still on 625 Broadway or 676. Spencer
1: Gates, was she there? Yep, it was Spencer, Lori. Rest in peace, you know. No. Spencer died. Holy
0: shit. Yeah, sorry to
1: tell you. Cancer. Oh, my God. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, she got sick, like, in I think a while ago now. It's been at least 10 years. There were 12 people, I
0: think, working there when I
1: started working See, she was our publicist. Like, she was fantastic. She was a big reason why. Payment did a lot of things that ultimately we sucked at doing. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> like appearing on television she
0: okay so she came out of the boston <laughs> yeah yeah totally she and, was a
1: total boston punk like goddess right like she was like a really famous like um punk dj yeah i don't know the name of the radio station yeah and i don't know her, there was two girls and they had like a, like the it girls or something like that they had like kind of a cool and, and name
0: she and gerard were they yeah. like did he come because he he discovered sort of dinosaur yeah, yeah. Well, he was junior. a big part of Homestead. Yeah. And know, Homestead huge.
1: started out of Boston. Yeah. yeah. Out of the I, suburb of Boston. Yeah.
0: He was the A and R guy from pretty Homestead, much. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah which I mean, was, he was like a teenager and
0: he would like, he would find like mm-hmm. dinosaur junior and sonic youth and then they'd go run off to SST or something. Like well,
1: that. you know, yeah. Well, I mean, like squirrel bait. Like, I mean, I, I remember seeing them here. They're the kind of, they kind of put, well, they were pretty slant. Mm-hmm. They kind mm-hmm. of put Louisville like. Kind of on the map, uh, yes. I mean, n tables did to an extent, but um squirrel bait was on there, and then you know there was a lot of great bands on homestead um there was um so did he like meet- Big Dipper wasn't really one of them, but there was Volcano Suns were on it, there was like everything cool in Boston, um I think uh I mean, there's bands that sold like sixty records, like Phantom tollbooth, who were actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then there were, ban- like, frogs Ron Homestead. Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> that was one of his discoveries. That's another guy that died. Dennis from the Frogs oh, really? died. He drowned at, um, on 4th of July in a lake in Wisconsin.
0: How long ago was that?
1: Um, in the last, I'm going to say, like, 2012, 11 or 12. See, I tour managed them. I tormented Man, you. are throwing so much
0: stuff at me, I can barely like. <laughs> I tormented them. Yeah,
1: remember them? Like it's only right and natural. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. they were great. Did you ever see them live? I did. They were um, freaky.
0: One of those fleeting, like I feel like Westbeth Theater. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah. I might have was
1: probably the tour manager.
0: And, and I, they put out the a record while I was at Matador with the. It looked like one of those little kids' books. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Oh yeah, now. yeah.
1: Yeah, they yeah. were very, um, very perverse. Mm-hmm. They were very out there and their whole shtick was they presented themselves as two brothers who might have been having a, a homosexual relations, <laughs> which, you know, is <clears throat> a real mind twister. Right. <laughs> but then they had this really, when tour managing them was particularly strange because they had this thing where they had their famous set, which was their gay set, which was just like a, an incredibly sarcastic, highly comedic you know parody of like kind of classic homosexual things Mm -hmm. they had their gay set which was actually amusing and then they had what was called their black set which was essentially not amusing but they thought it was amusing and it was actually really (laughs) weird and really racist (laughs) and they would start their show they would do like a, a gay set and and a black set and they would come out and they would ask the crowd do you want do you want the gay set or the black set and of course the crowd would always yell for the gay set because it was funny and mm-hmm. you know somewhat mm-hmm. you can't very campy right. and very lighthearted stuff like that they're so self-indulgent that they would often like look at the crowd and say to hell with you you get the black <laughs> set and they'd immediately whip out shoe polish and Go into so blackface. That's what
0: they, wow. I was thinking like black. I didn't never saw that then. Yeah. It's very, was... very
1: uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable because they, they had songs that were so crass. It was like every single basically like terrible joke about black people from even the start of the 20th <laughs> century, like on this, like kind of twisted into their own weird sense of humor. That's really- it's, it's funny how the gay set was actually funny and people could accept that, but the black set was no, none of it was funny. You were they, I mean? were they actually, was anybody actually gay in that? G- uh, yeah, the really tall guy with the long hair. Jimmy Dennis. More was, acceptable than if you actually. He was met. really freaky. He was a mm-hmm. brilliant guitar player. He's still alive. He had really, really long, stringy hair and he was an amazing heavy, heavy metal guitar player. He played with Smashing Pumpkins on tour, but he also played with a couple of really famous metal bands as mm-hmm. like an extra guitarist, you know? Mm-hmm. He was like a Sessions metal. He was just like a hot licks competition yeah, yeah. guy. Really intense, and then Dennis was just like a great showman, like a great stand-up drummer and singer. And then when I tour managed them, they had this guy Jay in their band that was playing bass. Who was a cop in Milwaukee, which was kind of weird because you got these you got these two freaky mm-hmm. brothers and this cop, and the cop is kind of like the only one who would get wasted. It was <laughs> it was strange. It was Gerard, you know. In fact, I, knowing Gerard because Gerard lived in Jersey City and I lived in Hoboken, and this is in the early nineties. And Gerard called me up the night before their tour was supposed to start. And I was driving a bus in New York. I was working like 55 hours a week. And he said, Bob, I need a huge favor. And he said, the frogs are coming to town. I was like, I said, yeah, I know. I'm going to see them this night. I'm going to see them this night. And I'm really excited about it. He's like, well, they need to stay in your house. And I was like, what are you talking about? I said, those guys are freaky, you know? And uh, he said, "Well, they I've got three cats, you know, and they're really allergic to cats." And I'm like, "Okay." And so I get off the phone. I'm living with David Berman and Stephen Malkmus at the time, and I'm like, "The frogs are staying here the next ten days, you know." So we were kind of like, I mean, in a way, they were kind of like heroes of mm-hmm. ours, you know. And um, but you'd like to view them from afar. Well, I mean, it, you know. Well, I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> it's one of those things that you're kind of hoping because you know one thing that, one thing that I always sort of talk about is like w- when you get out there and you meet bands and you start working with bands you're touring with them or like you're on the same label as them Mm -hmm. or you somehow wind up at the same awkward social functions as them or on a festival or something and like one thing that's really sort of potentially negative about being in bands is that you meet a lot of bands that you love their music for a long time and then you meet the people and you can't stand the people Mm -hmm. and then it ruins the band for you and like you can't enjoy their records as much. Mm-hmm. The same thing in a lot yeah. of walks of life. Like when I started working in horse racing, I started meeting horse trainers that I used to win money betting on their horses and I really liked them and stuff. Then I met the guy and the guy was just a jackass. So you can, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's just like a weird thing. So, yeah, and then and there's a lot of bands like you love the people and you think they're just like the greatest kids or the really really cool people. You can, but, but music no matter how hard you band, try, you can't like their music. It's really there's, so, strange. so
0: there's been a, how many people would you say that both things came true for you or like some notable like you ones that you like them? them and their band like and nothing happened when you got to meet them. You liked them just oh, as much if not more. Like the yeah. double
1: positive situation. Yeah. Stereolab. Yeah. Stereo Lab. yeah. That was one dirty three. Jealous not band. Oh hell yeah, yeah yeah. And they were the
0: backing band also on the
1: Cat Power record. Yeah yeah Road yeah. Picks, right. Yeah, amazing ba- amazing from people. New Zealand. No, they're right? from Australia. Australia. Yeah, Melbourne right. area. Really great band. Yeah, I love um, those
0: torn and frayed, and uh, I have the self titled one.
1: Yeah yeah, they they made great records. They're amazing live. Freaky good live. I it's,
0: got so, you know how yeah. Matador used to have the the distributed product. Which like, they, right. you know, was like bands or records that were associated with bands that were currently on the label or stuff that people would probably like if they liked the stuff that right, Matador right, was right, actually right. selling. Yeah. So they could sweeten the pot for the little record stores they could sell. Yeah. They have your, they have your Matador release. Then you have yeah. like a crypt or, or PCP or Silk
1: Breeze or, you know, Gerard whatever. has his own label now. You know that. I didn't know <laughs> that. Yeah. He puts out his own records. So like I think it, you know, there's things like Matador, like where there's always the pressure to like, Sell copies, and I guess I don't think he ever felt that pressure. I don't think he really <laughs> felt any pressure, anyways. Uh, or if he did, he he, he wouldn't. Like, but it reveal seemed like
0: it. It, it seemed like over and over again uh, that you know whether it was the Atlantic deal or the Capital deal mm-hmm. or whatever that they were coming in and saying we really like what you do. Mm-hmm. And then, and we want to blow it up, and you know, and, and try to get it to this whole other kind of mm-hmm. audience and whole other level. I think he got paid, and he I mean, took that paid. money, they and he kept paid. doing what he always fucking did, you know, yeah. like putting out frogs records and yeah. whatever. And um, to go yeah, be my guest. I think was his attitude. If you were like want to buy half of this and try yeah. this, and I think it was the right whatever.
1: attitude to take because he's a young man who'd been doing it at that point, like almost half his life, because he started when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So he kind of kept the ball in his court. But, I mean, like, Matador, like, now has been around long enough, and it is a business, and it's, you know, part of... I don't even know really how it works now, because, like, the... It's especially group. when you're, Yeah, it's beggars. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like when you're not in the music business anymore, you just, like, I think it's probably, like, if you're, like, a... I mean, you just kind of, like, you stop paying attention. I really didn't pay him that much well, attention it's like, to the business yeah. anyways, but... It's but. also
0: not as relevant as it used to be because, I mean, when, when mm-hmm. Gerard or somebody like Chris, like Chris Lombardi or somebody found a band yeah. and managed to get paid to have their records made and managed mm-hmm. to help them get them to distribute it, that really mm-hmm. meant something like to get oh, yeah, a fucking yeah. record from Louisville, Kentucky to Boston and whatever. Right. But everything's on the internet now, you know? Yeah, there's and, that you know well, people we, are
1: starting to buy records again i well, think yeah
0: but if that's like a choice now then you right. prefer vinyl i got vinyl oh, yeah, yeah whatever yeah. but the the access to the music music like, is
1: so easy yeah like i could tell you about nine bands right now and like you know within 20 minutes you could have listened to two minutes right of, i could pull them up right now right, and listen to exactly them. Yeah. and then you which have is kind of cool like access at least you know what they're like mm-hmm. um but there's, but yeah, so anyway, Gerard's got this 1-2XU. So I think it's like all the things from Austin that he likes and mm-hmm. other bands that he sees or hears about that he really likes. I think he kind of has it as far as I can tell. I haven't spoken with him about it, but pretty much to run a label the way he used to run a label in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I heard, I, I got your tape. I thought it was awesome. I went and saw you live. I want to put out your record. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what 1-2XU is. And they've got some great bands. I mean, it's,
0: it's a pretty cool label. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm friends with him. On I'm more aware of his "Can't Stop the Bleeding" thing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and 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 then really just his posts on Facebook. He's like, one of the best you know, Facebookers. Yeah, pretty humorous. Up. Yeah, he's pretty great. But it's you know. I mean, to piece all this stuff together, first of all, I want to answer that question about New York mm. that you asked earlier, yeah, I would now mm. hang out in the East Village mm-hmm. again because it 's not right <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and you know that that was my neighborhood, and yeah, my, my really, my favorite part of living in New York was when yeah. I stopped being so worried about. Being at Beaver on Thursday night, or yeah. hanging out at Max Fish and all that shit, and I Making became the like a, yeah, I became like a New Yorker, yeah. and I was living in my neighborhood, and I had my friends that had nothing to do, right. or nothing very to little do. to do yeah. with that shit. They were yeah. over the part of like trying to be where the people were, and right. all of that. Where was your address? You I remember? lived at two hundred eight East 7th Street, so Seventh Street, right down from Vezax. You know the Horseshoe Bar. Okay, yeah, yeah, the top yeah. Of Square Park.
1: Yeah. I know exactly where that is. In the middle of the block, I lived there for four years. Like a one-bedroom apartment or studio. No, I
0: shared a. I we had a big apartment. Yeah, it was that's cool. The whole place is about the size of this downstairs of this. Oh, that's great. We had three bedrooms in it, and they ranged in size. I mean, it was luxurious, and it was the whole place was a thousand bucks. Oh, that's great. I paid like. The most ever paid to live there was four hundred and twenty five bucks wow. a month. So I was able to pay it on that Matador shipping department. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know.
1: How'd you get salary. paid for that? Hourly or did you get it? It was a salary. A salary. Yeah. yeah I was
0: shit. It was like nineteen thousand, yeah. twenty thousand. How many know. people did that? Like five? There was, when I started, it was just Conrad and me. You remember Conrad oh, and yeah, Salvatore? Yeah. And then yeah. there were just two of us. And then Marshall would help out, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the summer. Do you know where in he intern. is now? Yeah, he's in Austin. Is he? Cool. I'm friends with him on Facebook as well. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just had a kid.
1: Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so they're grandparents and Tim yeah. Tim and Lori.
0: Um, yeah, it was like two guys and then it oh, grew. No, just Lori. Just Lori. Well, they're not together. That to Tim's kid. That one oh, Tim's it was, kid, yeah. It was just right, Lori. Marshall is. Yeah, Lori's right, kid. Right, yeah. Um there was and then they added Dave Atwordwanda who had been an intern. Mm-hmm. And then Adam Carroll came in mm-hmm. from Newberry Comics and he became like he took over like I think Dick Dahl. He took over Dick Dahl's job. Right. And and they didn't promote Conrad to that for some reason. And then so there were then there were three or four of us. Yeah. It got pretty crazy. I mean we were really yeah. at you know, that whole thing was like not really supposed to exist because they were getting the records <laughs> distributed by ADA and right. Caroline and everybody else, yeah. and then they were selling them. They were competing with all the people who are distributing their records by selling them directly from the label. Oh, I didn't know that with with the distributed product thrown in, where you could right. buy a uh, Mike Gunn record or you could buy the Squirrel Bait or right. you could buy uh, some yeah. weird Japanese psych thing. Yeah, because
1: I went. I remember going through there like when I'd come by and like I'd go into the library. Right. And, like, flipped through, and it was, like, what, probably, like, one-third actual Matador records? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, well, you know, like, there there were, yeah, there was, like, one aisle was mm-hmm. straight up Matador mm-hmm. from, like, you know, all Olay catalog numbers. And then yeah, there yeah. was Crypt, Silk Teen Beat. Mm-hmm. Teen Beat, for uh, sure, yeah. On and PCP. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and that was the distribute, the P and D stuff, right. where they helped, they had a partnership of manufacturing and packaging <laughs> and distributing the stuff with yeah. those guys. And then, they had the stuff that they just bought from other really tiny labels, right. and had like seven inches and
1: yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It was cool. It was really cool, really cool. and I didn't know the dip. Diff- fuck, man! I was. Now when did Gabe come there? You know, Gabe. He, right? Much Gabe's later, here. after me. After you, yeah. I got fired there. in. Nine you actually, got eight. fired. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I got Thank fired you. from a lot of things.
0: Yeah, I. Being I like fired fired's great. It is it's like yeah. freedom. My last two jobs I got fired from in New York were both yeah. one was a punk label, the other was a punk club, yeah, you know, no, music punk industry. Punk I got fired
1: out of bands, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For actually for like I got fired from tour managing jobs for like doing too good of a job in my own opinion, mm, you know what I mean no and i got fired from for I got fired from tour managing jobs because um the band would be like. You know, this isn't pavement. This just feels too much like pavement. You're interjecting too much of your personality into the, into the job. Hmm. That's kind of an interesting twist on a firing. Yeah, yeah. You're
0: getting too involved. You're yeah, taking, yeah. You're, you're, you're becoming too, too part of, of the that.
1: band. Just like go, like sit back and be a pro.
0: So <laughs> there's so many fucking threads that we could pick mm-hmm. up here that they were talking about. I yeah. am kind of curious. Like I'm somewhat aware of the history. Of payment that you guys all met at UVA. Is no, no, right? no, just no? two of us. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay.
1: Just myself and the singer, and the band. Actually, see Stephen, the singer and guitar player, the guy that wrote, wrote most of the songs, Malkmus, Right. He um, he's from Stockton, California, and he uh-huh. came to UVA because his dad went to UVA. Okay. And I think he applied to a handful of schools. Whatever he got into UVA, and he's a year older. And the reason I met him is one of my good friends from Trinity that was a year older was his roommate, and that was Ken West. Okay. No relation to Steve West. Okay. okay. And then, um, <clears throat> and he's a Richmonder. He's still here. A great guy, Ken West. Mm-hmm. And um, so then, Steven and I became really good friends. And then he and he was in a bunch of bands. And he we he had a radio show and I was never in bands. I would just go see bands. I'd come down here and see bands. I'd go to DC, I'd go to New York, I'd go to mm-hmm. Athens, I'd go, you know, wherever. We'd take a Chapel lot of road Hill. trips together. Yeah, Chapel Hill. Take tons of road trips together and everything. And I never intended being in a band at all. And then he graduated and he went he traveled around the Middle East. He kinda went to all the places now that you're we are not permitted to go. <laughs> You know, it inadvisable there'd be a 50% chance we'd get our heads <laughs> removed. But he got to go to all those places. He went to Iran, Iraq, Syria. He went to, um, everywhere. He went everywhere in the Middle East during our, what was our fourth year at UVA, which would have been 89. And then he finished that. I think he blew all his money. Um, I think he kind of just spent his graduation money and it was really cheap to tour that part of the world. And it was kind of funny. He'd go into this, what we'd call world traveler mode where mm-hmm. he'd like, Try to pick up girls by talking to all the like exotic places around uh-huh. the world. He'd so you, you mean like when he came back, he would yeah. teach uh-huh. Oh, yeah, like his experiences mm-hmm. with the Afghanis <laughs> and you know, whatever. It kind of worked. Um, but then so then he went back to Stockton, and like the only person Stockton's kind of a desperate place.
0: Yeah, I've been, I lived in Costa Mesa, so it's like Stockton's Oof. nearby. There's like a record pressing plant there, I uh, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, you just kind of pointed Stockton's kind of like there's nothing. There. It's nothing.
1: Yeah. There was one place, this one bar with a shuffleboard table that's called Worlies that served really average hot beef sandwiches, and we used to spend time in there. Where's and, the
0: Doll Hut? Is that in that in Irvine? There's like a little weird punk um club down there that I saw. Is it. there? Yeah. I'm not familiar. With I it. worked in. I worked for a label out there that started here. really it was like TKO Records, and they oh were yeah, yeah, like you know, boutique, I've heard of that street punk kind of thing. Yeah, and. Are those people from, cool, um, pretty.
1: Yeah, are they kind of miserable, or were they all right? Well,
0: it, it's kind of a long. I mean, my I had a I have a checker pass with them and all of that, but it was just one guy. And yeah, he started it in in San Francisco. Yeah, and it was more of the Gilman Street, like right. where Green Day came that from, and Rancid, and all that. And yeah. then and then he came here, and he always and he'd come from Boston and like worked at the Rats. so he liked hardcore, he liked street punk. Like, right. things were either like The Clash or like uh, Oi yeah, yeah, but he, yeah. but then this girl Jamie Wolf from um, Man's Ruin got him into like anti-scene
1: oh right all of that yeah I saw them Do you see them oh anti-scene. yeah I played with them did you times. really mm-hmm. I saw them in Hoboken
0: yeah they're great yeah. so it was this weird mishmash of that stuff and then ended up Taking in the smut peddlers out of Southern California. And yeah, yeah. we moved there, moved the label there, and I went with him. And that right. was all that shit. Like, the, weird era. Yeah. That's like, a weird the Dwayne Peters stuff. Face. And, the, uh, and Orange County was just nothing. Like, I mean, all of it was like shitty places like Stockton and, and, yeah. like, racist, r- hardcore, really like, fucking. Creepy. Aryan nation, like, you know, neo-Nazi uh, just racist. horrible. Yeah, it's shitty place. Yeah, really Stockton actually. didn't
1: have too much of that. Stockton's my, my own personal California crappy place. And I spent a lot of time there because of pavement, but that's kind of where the band got off the ground. Steven had one friend that worked in the record store. That was Scott and they'd grown up together. They'd gone to school together and they were kind of had similar tastes in music. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's where the band started. And then so I, I was a senior and then we so all know that. actually York.
0: started in Stockton. Stockton.
1: And yeah, okay. Payment's generally regarded as a Stockton band because okay. all the early records were made there by our drummer mm-hmm. who they just they knew because he was kind of a punk rock legend around town. Just and what was of, he in before? Gary Young? Silver- he was in Hot Spit Dancers and uh-huh. he was in um he was in a ton of bands. He's from Marinek. He was quite a bit older than us. He's, Where does Silver Juice fit into this? Is silver Juice started like when when see I got all those guys. I got Steven and David Berman, my two best friends from college, David was in Austin and Stephen was in Stockton. So Stock, so Stephen was desperate to move and New York was sort of at the top of the list. And I was like, yeah, you got to come here, you know, like it's pretty awesome. And it was, I mean, it was 89, late Mm -hmm. in 89, early 90. And there was a lot going on. I mean, you could be, you know, fully satisfied going to like eight to 12 shows a month, like Mm -hmm. three or four times a week, you'd be out. And it was a little rough around the edges. I mean, edges, you know, like you, where you live, Thompson Square Park was kind of tense. Was like a homeless encampment. It was yeah. tense, yeah. And, I but and it was safe. I never it really felt – and we could have gotten – in fact, a few years before that, it was way rougher. Like mid-'80s, it was really rough. Like mm. Ibold lived there forever, and he got – mugged, you know, and like whatever. I personally, I mean, I was a bus driver, so I wore my bus driving uniform out a lot so people wouldn't mess with me. You drove
0: a city bus in New York?
1: I drove a I drove for the Port Imperial Ferry Bus system, which was a ferry that went from Weehawken to Midtown and then we used to pick everybody up at the at the ferry depot. Uh-huh. At the ferry depot on 39th and 12th and we had a variety of routes to take them around the city. So yeah, I mean, I drove a bus in New York. It was kind of half owned by, <laughs> um, it was partially owned by the MTA and mostly owned by this incredibly rich guy named Arthur Imperatore that started APA, um, trucking. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely had the feel of having some pretty intense mob ties, but I was a bus driver. Then I was a terminal manager, and, um, so anyways, I got Stephen and David to move up there. First, we lived in Jersey city, which was really rough in the heights. And then we lived in, um, Hoboken and, and which was great because we lived right by Maxwell's and, and one kind of, we lived like a few blocks from the Andy, Tango. Mm-hmm. And, um, one great thing about I lived, I had to get this apartment in within 24 hours, cause I got, Fired as a roommate. I got kicked out of (laughs) a, kicked out of an apartment by kind of a nice couple that we were living with who just like, we were partying all night or something and they got really upset and they're like, that's it. You know, like we called the landlord, like we're tearing up the lease. Like, so we had like 24 hours to find a place to live. We ended up in this basement apartment on Willow Avenue in Hoboken and we were living below these really, really loud people who partied like around the clock. And um it was a large family, and they were just really loud. So that gave us license to be as loud as we wanted back, and that's how Silver Juice started ah. in that basement. So it was just the three of us, and um eventually both of them— And what were you
0: playing?
1: I just played like an ashtray, and a, um, I had like one of those stand-up metal ashtrays and a couple of cardboard boxes. I think I had one real drum, and those guys both had guitars— and, like, really crappy amps. Then we had a really just kind of old-fashioned tape recorder that we put on top of the television, and we'd all, you know, and they would sing direct into the mic of, you know, one of those, like...
0: Like the room mic? Yeah, the room (laughs) mic,
1: exactly. And um, we would make up songs, and we would play them. We were really good friends with this girl that worked at Pure Platters, which was a great record store in town, but they really had attitude, and they made you feel really unwelcome there. (laughs) But we became friends with this girl who That's I dated typical. <laughs> Yeah. Who I dated for a while named Tanya Small and she was good friends with um Sonic Youth with, and we so we we would play a lot of songs directly into Kim and Thurston's answering machine, which was kind mm. of funny. <laughs> and then we recorded a lot of stuff on tapes and eventually they worked their way to Drag City and Dan at Drag City, they were just starting out, all they had was Royal Trucks on that label and he kinda loved he loved these really incredibly like like as lo-fi as it gets um, recordings and he started putting them out. And then, and then I guess people showed interest in silver Jews. And like eventually we had, we had found our way to, you know, recording studios in Memphis mm-hmm. and made a couple of records. And then <laughs> I got kicked out of that band and they <laughs> went on to bigger and better things before they eventually <laughs> ended. But pavement, we decided to tour in 1990 which meant bringing the stockton wing of the band across which was scott the guitar player and gary the drummer and he gary's that had made all the early payment records and we brought them to Mamarinek and i hired mark eibold um who was in that band dust devils mm-hmm. and we all got together at gary young's house in Mamarinek and practiced for like two or three days and gary was kind of at first very skeptical of my participation because he thought that I could actually play the drums and he thought that I was kind of being groomed to like take his place. Mm. So at first he was kind of rude to me until he realized that I couldn't drum worth a shit at all. (laughs) And then he was sort of all right with it. And, um, basically my job at that, we toured in 90 and we toured in 91. I'm pretty sure we played Richmond in both, both cases. And, one of those times we played without Gary because we'd played a gig in Boston, which he fell off his stool and and landed on a on a pile of broken glass mm-hmm. and lacerated his leg, so we had to come south where I obviously knew the most people, kind of like if I ever had a stomping ground, it would have been then. Mm-hmm. And it was highly humiliating because we only knew how to play about 12 songs. And one thing about Pavement, we were an incredibly fortunate band. There was always people there, even though we were really terrible and didn't know how to play our songs, mm-hmm. like in 90 and 91. And uh, this is all before Slanted and Shannon. And uh, so so like every single Pavement show that we ever played, we played short tours in 90 and 91, and then Slanted and Shannon was made in 91. And that's then Matador put that out. And because the main reason Matador put it out is because we knew who Gerard was and we met Chris and Steven really, since he was living in New York, wanted to be on a New York label. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, one thing led to another. And then, you know, subsequently in 92, we were able to make a fist of it and uh, Was there another quit guitar player? Yeah, Rob Chamberlain. He went to school with me. He was on the first tour. He was in the band in 1990 and he hated Steve, so he quit. Uh. Yeah, so he just from couldn't that point, stand point forward, it was just
0: Steve playing guitar. No,
1: Scott always played guitar. Spir- okay. Spiral, yeah. Ah, uh, spiral, yeah. Stair- spiral is- stairs. Spiral yeah, stairs. Yeah, Okay. yeah. He played guitar. He's one of the founding members. He, okay. He's the guy that was in Stockton, you know, he, and he's 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 the one that really sort of makes efforts to get the band back together mm-hmm. all the time. And it's because he did, basically speaking, you know, in a basic fashions, because he's he loves pavement. And he had a really great time doing it and um think like he kind, kind of wants to relive the glory and <clears throat> all the rest of us are fine with it. We're all completely up for pavement activity, you know whenever, but except for Steven, because he's in a pretty serious band. Right. right. He's made more he's now made more records with the Jicks than he ever made with right. Pavement. And I think he's just really enjoyed his experience more with yeah. the Jicks than he did ever did with Pavement. Pavement, mm-hmm. he was always kind of he always seemed not always but jet, he seemed quite frequently pretty unhappy <clears throat> um and i think it's because he was frustrated with the rest of us you know because of not only our lack of musicianship but our the fact that we couldn't i think he always wanted to be in a band that he could jam with and practice with and like make up songs with so mm-hmm. he has that in portland
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know which is fine with me i, I was mean, just thinking
0: about this at the one time i met him and talked to him yeah at all like it was I there was a show
1: you guys played at Westbeth Theater yeah and it's I can't in remember in the snow yeah was it Steve Keen was there I remember that he yeah. saw Steve came yeah
0: I can't remember if it was I don't think it was Gerard's wedding because he had some this guy by voices with Cobra Verde his yeah. wedding but so when he married the Steve. girl the English girl yeah, Sally right yeah. I was talking to Steven at this point um, I was real into being just the the guy who showed his ass all the time and drank and I was always yeah. like kind of just chatting up various people and, yeah and he was just looking really kind of miserable like standing yeah. back there waiting to play the show yeah you know and not in not as into
1: it as everybody else you know no. and, and the majority that's of the indie rock basically, people were basically kind in of a nutshell that's the way it was yeah so you got a big taste of the way it was so, so
0: i just he was like i'm not feeling that well i got a little bit of a cold and whatever and i was like you should just need a couple shots of whiskey man something be fine. You'll yeah me, you'll you'll get into yeah. it and that was my answer to playing music in general anyway yeah you just need to loosen up
1: you know but <laughs> worked for me. <laughs> but, that's but he just, like, I think, I don't know really what it was. I'm not really sure. But if I can pinpoint one thing, he definitely was frustrated with the rest of us as musicians, which is completely understandable. Um, even though, in the case of the drummers, both Gary um, and with Steve West, they were very... I mean, Gary was a pretty magical drummer, and then Steve was very proficient and tried really hard and was really good. He really worked hard. And then Ibold got better and better as a bass player throughout the entire thing, you know, and Canberg did his thing and and I just kind of did whatever I wanted. They mixed it in and mixed it out however they wanted to shake it, you know. But I think really, like, he's really enjoyed – I mean, I tour managed Jix, his current band, at the start, and they've been going on now for – I mean, 15 years, you know, and which is a lot longer than Pavement. They've made more records. <clears throat> and um I just think he's happier in that band. You know, he might be a happier person in general because he's, you know, got two kids and a wife, and, you know, he's he sort of settled into his his deal. But I do find it interesting that generally, and it might be the climate, but Pavement, it seems like people, fans, are were more passionate about Pavement. Mm-hmm and um i'm not really i can't really pinpoint why you know maybe the songs were easier to swallow and like less jammy and like more in the 3 minute form and like there were more like maybe it was the times i mean i think we're the reason- i have a i have a i think
0: it's partly like it, this kind of goes to my when i started working at um at matador at one point chris lombardi came mm. back as the guitar wolf guys were there and mm-hmm. he came back yeah those and japanese he said, dudes yeah he was like grab me some punk records out of here for those guys and yeah. i looked at all of the matador stuff and i was like i don't see any punk, punk records. Like, yeah that punk. wasn't my definition of punk right at that time
1: it's not punk except for like maybe five songs
0: but <laughs> right but like that's i mean if you define it one way but yeah. like Gerard gave me this book for Christmas because I was always yeah. shooting my mouth off and showing off how ignorant <laughs> I was in general of all yeah. of this stuff. And it was <laughs> this Clinton Halen book, the pre-punk history for, for oh, a post-punk really? world, The Velvets to the Voidoids.
1: Oh, interesting. The, did you the, read the, it? I did. Yeah. And it was like, I was Probably like, holy good. shit. I didn't yeah. know
0: all of this because all I thought punk was was Malcolm McLaren, you know, either, you know, either the, yeah. r- either the Ramones hour, of dead boys people. or the stuff that, yeah. you know, um, the,
1: fucking sex pistols and that shit punk to me was yeah. honor roll man richmond rva right. skins bro hardcore and <laughs> so, but it, the I prevaricators don't, you know, man snub culture i
0: heard more about honor roll after i got to new york and, really yeah because i liked breadwinner but i didn't, but yeah you I missed I was, the honor, missed roll. The honor roll. yeah yeah
1: it's the honor roll was i saw an honor roll 80 times yeah. they used to play they used to open for all the sst bands and they used to open for all the discord bands in fact when we drove by pb kelly's I remembered seeing them open for 9353, that really freaky Discord Mm -hmm. band there, and it was particularly amazing. But when I was a teenager, you know, like Bob and Penn, they were like, you know, they were like rock and roll heroes Mm -hmm. to me, you know. Mm -hmm. And Bob was, it was kind of, he's such a sweet guy, but like he didn't give you that impression when you were like 15 buying like a (laughs) new order record. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? He kind of like looked at you like, <laughs> the fuck you out know? Of my cause he store. was on this, he's uh-huh. not in stature, he's not a big guy, but like, yeah, he's on that kind of like podium thing. And mm-hmm. like, sometimes you'd wait till he like went and took a smoke break until like Jimmy Blackford or somebody was like working on that counter before you put your orchestral maneuvers in the dark record up yeah. there. So to add you to know? your, your thing about, uh, uh why pavement, you
0: know, is, it's, it's that whole thing of like, I could do this, you know? Yeah, that's, like, that's a big part of that's how people it. Yeah. got into punk uh-huh. is like, you, I think mm-hmm. I could do what you guys are doing. And like, if everybody's yeah. kind of having a good time, it's kind of a mess and yet it's awesome. There's still this cohesive thing happening. Sort of. You know? Cohesive Semi-cohesive. I mean, I think
1: maybe that's one of the reasons why people hate pavement is that they kind of, that maybe we encourage too many shitty musicians to be in bands but the
0: fucking thing is is i just <laughs> i just
1: proposed this the other
0: day and this is you know also my tutelage by dave martin who yeah kind of got me fired and pittsburgh was kind guy of like an, pittsburgh guy yeah i mean he and i i mean i listened to the shit he said even though i kind of thought yeah. he was an asshole i he is he still there i don't even know i don't I think, think he is. I Think he has be, another music industry but he, job. he said we were talking about some band like helmet or something yeah and he was like Those guys can play, but they suck. Like, can you remember any of their songs after you listen to their record? Right. No. But he goes, I go see, and they, but they can execute that shit every time you see them. Yeah. Then he uses pavement as an example. He's like, you go see pavement. They may not execute it, but you like remember their songs. Mm. You like that shit. And it's It's just interesting. It's that that's the thing. Like you said about names of bands. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any fucking difference how well everybody can play. Rock Mm -hmm. and roll is about magic, you know? Yeah. And if you gotta, yeah, I guess you have have to be memorable. yeah, you have to be
1: a member. You either have it or you don't. It's like yeah. you read a reggae pop. Yeah. Like, and I mean, it's have too much it you- uh, Yeah. It's like, uh, reminds me of, um, we were playing with Royal Trucks one time and they were really out of their minds. Right. They were just complete waste And like, since they were on drag city and since I guess people in our band thought they were sort of cool, we ended up having them open for us a lot, which, which was always a bit of a disaster. Cause I think they, they truly hated pavement and um they would show up whenever and they'd be the support band and they were out of their mind I remember we were somewhere i think we were in oklahoma somewhere and we were playing with them and they were like showed up like two hours late so they kind of had to show up and go up and our friend debbie pastor who became our tour manager was their tour manager on this thing and um neil gets up there to sound check and like the sound man was like oh man i don't want to have to deal with these like mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking nodding out junkies like <laughs> pretty much you know and like <laughs> and he was like, we need to do a sound check. And the guy was like, you're way too late to do a sound check. You know, they, like, they kind of drag their stuff in, like effects pedals falling out of, like, broken suitcases and <laughs> crap. And, like, he gets up on stage and the sound man's like, no way, man. Like, you get a line check, and make sure all this shit works, but you don't get, like, a sound check. And the guy, like, you know, Neil puts his hand out and the guy's standing right in front of him and he says it into his mic. He looks at him. And there's, like, already, like, people lining up to come into the show. And, like, Neil looks at him and he goes, like, dude we've got a sound check because we have to check out the way that we sound. You know? And it was just like, there you go. Isn't that what it's all about? Ladies and gentlemen, the Royal Trucks, you know, it's like, it is sort of like that kind of like, people forget that that kind of like numbskulled but yeah, the- type attitude, like that kind of is That's rock awesome, magic. right? And You know, and when you're so, sort you know, <laughs> <laughs> Matador
0: like was taking bands as far mm-hmm. to the very like upper <laughs> stratosphere from that as they could go. Yeah. And then they just really <laughs> pass a certain point because yeah. they, once you get past a certain point, people are expecting showmanship, musicianship, all that kind of stuff. You can, right. you know, Liz fair and John Spencer, blues yeah. payment right, right up here to the mm-hmm. upper stratosphere. But that, that next level is not really where they belong. Well, even, that like, you, you know, know I and mean,
1: of course, cat power. I mean, she's, amazing and she was one of the, perhaps the most Put another one
0: of those people you go see and you don't know what the fuck you're well that's get, the thing and... it's
1: like she was like i mean i remember the first time i saw her in louisville like kind of i think she was on matador and she got up there and she played like three or four songs it was like 50 people i think it might have even been a free show and then she played like three or four songs and she just threw her guitar down and mm-hmm. screamed into her microphone as loud as she could and it, it, i mean it damaged ears i mean it was blindingly loud and then the crazy thing was is she i didn't know her at the time and she kind of she did that then she kind of made a beeline over to me because i guess she'd recognize me from you know pictures of pavement or maybe mm-hmm. she'd seen pavement and then she introduced herself and i was like are you okay and and she said yeah she said i just couldn't keep going because i was really trying hard to concentrate and I was trying to play my songs, and all I could hear was these two really loud assholes talking about horse racing. And I was like, "Well, that was me and my friend Jack." You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like kind of embarrassing. So she kind of looked at us like, "Oh, you are an asshole," or something. But now it is. Um, and she's a was is a remarkable success. She made great records. Yeah, and I think,
0: so I, and that was partly like the guys from that backing al green's backing band what were they called they, like, they oh yeah got a-
1: they're really yeah i saw that era of cat power she they sort yeah. of like got her over her stage fright and that and like and she kind of got that uh, too she was clean then yeah yeah i saw that era of that that's kind of like the era of cat power um you know one pass i mean i still think it, i mean, just about everything she's done has been pretty cool except for a couple records that but i mean that's I mean, can't you say that about anybody? Really, that's
0: a, you know, that's the thing that I got introduced to from that that label is that mm-hmm. songwriting and being, mm-hmm. you know, every like you can play a guitar, you can get a bunch of guys together, can shred and do all of this amazing yeah. shit. But if they don't have any songs, they don't have that thing. Yeah, they got nothing. And when you do have that thing, mm-hmm. you can flail at a whole mm-hmm. lot of it, and you will be, you know, people will continue to come see you and yeah. support you and be into it because she really. She writes incredible songs. Yeah, yeah, she's good. She's got a beautiful voice, yeah. yeah. There's obviously emotional... Tension. You want, there. No matter how many times you would pay to go see her and mm. she's staring at, you know, stage right and like, you know, doesn't even want to yeah. be there and like is grimacing yeah. when you applaud and like all oh, that yeah, shit. Yeah. You would go back for more, but I would, yeah. you know, go see some band full of really like fucking asshole metronome owners. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and go
0: see them one time and be like, that's just insufferable that you're doing that. See what's that weird so now well. is like, yeah.
1: were they, these kids sort of lost me today is like, I think we come from an era, um, you know, seeing bands in the 80s like in richmond if i think back on like the greatest things i saw in richmond as like a teenager and a college kid the just the performances like just like the actual performance art the live shows mm-hmm. were unreal okay And then like like in the throughout the 90s and into this millennium we like bands got fr- and like with the whole computer age like kids like like this setup that we have right now for this podcast, like kids bring this kind of stuff on stage and keep their head, heads down. And it's yeah. like, like there's nothing worse. Like I'm spinning vinyl tomorrow night at this place. There's nothing worse than actually being so. on this at right. ballet. So yeah, there's nothing worse than being on the stage and having to play records. Cause all you're doing is like, I'm not doing anything, but I'm not actually DJing. I'm playing records. So right. I'm just playing one record. And. Are you even
0: gonna cross fade from one record to the next? Yeah,
1: yeah. Maybe, it depends. You know, maybe I'll just go straight in. Maybe I'll do pure segways <laughs> Because the songs aren't too long. I mean, if, if the songs are like, if people are actually like booing or like, are leaving the room or something like that, then I'll take that song off, put the next song on or whatever. But I'm not gonna get particularly adventurous. Like, I'm certainly not gonna pump. Is my this fit. just
0: gonna be like your record collection? No kind of, I just
1: brought hundred records from yeah. Iowa in a suitcase. Now, I don't even know. Like I thought I was going to be doing like two or three hours, but apparently I won't be because it was... Uh, Lady God's
0: playing, is that right? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're good.
1: No and I guess they're playing for the, their first set as a four-person band. And then mm-hmm. this other band from here I'm good friends with, it's called um, Positive No. They were supposed to yeah, play. Yeah, Tracy and her husband. Yeah, uh-huh. I Tracy just found Kenny.
0: connected with her again.
1: Oh, she's great. And the thing that's really sad is, is that they... It was the, the whole thing was their idea and then half their band quit like about six weeks ago. Oh, their shit. rhythm section quit. So they canceled the whole thing. So I got in touch with Chrissy from Lady God and she's like, Oh no, we still want to do it. So I contacted Chris and I was like, Yeah, like we'll do it. You know, and then both like, that is
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean.
1: yeah. And i um, so it's back on now, but then so then Tracy and Kenny, I was like, Well, you know, if you, basically they, they're going to help me DJ, which I mean, technically I don't need any help, but they, you know, I'm happy that they want to be a part of it. So I
0: interrupted. You were talking about the kids these days and how they're, you know, us cranky old men are being. Well,
1: they just like, I think it's kind of interesting that like kids that I see a lot of bands that their music might sound really good, but they don't really feel the need to give anything to the audience in Mm -hmm. terms of performance. Whereas like I grew up like with like, you know, David Yao or like, you know, I mean, I remember seeing shows here when I was a teenager where I was like scared, where I'd like run to my car. I mean, I saw psychodrama play at hard times. I saw Flipper play it, going bananas. You know, I saw like a lot of really freaky things, mm-hmm. whether it was Richmond things or whether it was like, you know, things on the road. I mean, Sun City, Sun City Girls, I remember seeing them here. You never actually saw the band there wearing like burlap sacks mm-hmm. over the top, some with black X's painted on. It was scary. The images mm-hmm. were sort of scary, but like, and the, the performances were so flamboyant and so intense that, like, the performance meant as much as, like, the music. And if when the two things were right. both hitting the nail on the head properly, like, I mean, you know, I spoke about honor, honor Roll earlier. I mean, like, you know, a guy like Penn, you know, when he was, like, you know, he he was an insane guitar player, you know, and he was actually a proper axe wielder, and they were intense. There was like, a certain amount of intensity. Like, a lot of the SST bands that would come through here and that were from here, like, whether you liked them or not, were like, they were intense. And I think, like, the whole, like, computer age of rock is taken away from, like... People are just more concerned with, like, pressing buttons mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I think that's finally starting to change. I think people are actually starting to perform again because there was, like, an era there, like... Sort of like Tortoise and, like bands like that was it was all right like they kind of convinced kids that it was all right i don't mean to point the finger at them but i will but they were too like they turned themselves kind of like inward yeah. and got really into themselves and into their sound and like into the fact that they had like a new apple and it made like you mm. know or a nord lead synthesizer and like um samplers and stuff and it's kind of like <clears throat> like perfectly artificial music which didn't really bother me as much as the, like, just kind of lack of performance and the lack of concern for the crowd. Because whenever you have human beings on a stage and an audience in front of them, I think the audience wants to be entertained. That's a big part of what you did for. Babe, that was part of right? my job. Yeah. Cause I, I can't play worth a shit. I used to call you the flavor yeah. flavor of indie rock. Yeah. Man. I mean, to, to him, Yeah. I mean, that guy was way better and, and, um, certainly had a lot more style, but like it, but that's the difference between indie rock and like, gangster indie hip-hop rock, though you yeah. were quite flamboyant that was sort of my job <laughs> coming yeah. out of the uptight white kids from a, i mean yeah. it, it, beer fueled i don't know if you ever noticed but like um malcolm's would be stage right and i would be in the corner of back of stage left and if there were like um and there were i guess pretty girls at the pavement show they'd all be in front of him and then on my side, in front of my side, would be all the like the two hundred to two hundred and seventy five pound logger louts who were just like <laughs> drinking beer bottle after beer bottle. So, I guess those were my people. I'd get hugged a lot by sweaty I mean, men. You
0: guys, and you guys played Lollapalooza.
1: I, I oh, saw yeah. that at like Roosevelt
0: Island. Is that where that was? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. We sucked. I was standing in front of you during that. I think, and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think you guys sucked at all. But I mean, maybe we got away it, with it in New York. Yeah,
1: we might have tried harder or something. It was yeah. so bad. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. That
0: was a strange bill and the daytime yeah. shit that, that like Jesus lizard at one o'clock, mighty, yeah. mighty
1: mighty Boston's and right back. And I think by the time we you saw it, Elastica
0: that doing that without well, much later
1: though. I guess like twenty ninety eight, and this was ninety five. Ninety five, yeah. Elastica and Hole well, and Sonic Youth.
0: I see, like it's. I've noticed recently that there are a lot of people doing it. Like, we like the, what we liked, you know, when we mm-hmm. were kids and, or young or whatever. I think it's a little like, for me in Richmond, and I mean, you were coming out of Trinity, I was coming out of Marymount. So even though I grew up in Churchill and was originally in public school for high mm-hmm. school, I went out there and got into that really, just, you know, there's that, the menacing fucking mm-hmm. prep school guys and the military mm-hmm. academy guys and that <laughs> whole fucking thing out there was so like, who's your dad? You know? Oh yeah. What yeah. you got? You know, and, yeah. and I felt like a real you know kind of nobody coming out of really the city, and I did all right out there, but it still was yeah. a lot of social pressure that I didn't yeah. feel in um, in the public schools, right? But then I came down to VCU mm-hmm. after being like in that scene for a long time in Marymount, mm-hmm. and then went to see like Alternatives in Burma Jam, and oh yeah, that was that a was, good era for Richmond, yeah, and the the like, especially if you smoked grass, yeah. The inclusiveness and the creativity and, like, yeah, the crowd participation or yeah. for the show, like, you know, all of that stuff was, just blew my doors back. I mean, yeah. I had never stood – I you know, I'd gone to see metal shows
1: at the Coliseum, yeah you're nowhere near the band. And, what was the best metal you know, shows that you saw at the Coliseum? Like,
0: you know it's weird? I saw my favorite bands at that time, yeah. like Rat and Doc and yeah. all that kind of shit. <laughs> it must they must have been amazing. Yeah, they I mean <laughs> – I didn't like all those fucking rednecks that were there, like from uh, Southside yeah. and shit. You, you see know?
1: ACDC there?
0: I don't remember if I saw that one, but I like. Yeah, I saw every. They're amazing. I liked of all of the bands that I saw there. Yeah. I felt like Molly Crew on Whoa. the Girls, Girls, Girls tour what put year on the would best That have show. been like
1: ninety or eighty three or it was late eighties. Yeah, late eighties. Yeah,
0: they put on the best show. Yeah, yeah, and well, yeah. Ted Nugent uh, played oh, with yeah. one of those lineups and put on. I didn't even really know his music beyond yeah. Cat Scratch Fever and shit. Yeah. But, he put on an amazing really show, yeah! Wow, like really, and, and now he's not so cool. But like then, he's just this yeah. fucking wild man. With well, the now he's like
1: a reality television star. He's Republican like a Republican and Republican meat eater. Yeah, <laughs> right wing freak. Which meat?
0: You know. But some okay. So what I'm trying to get at is some of it kill is, your
1: own meat, right? <laughs> Some of it
0: is just being a, an age and coming out of a thing and going. All this is possible. I mean, you can do this, and you yeah. can be around these people, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, and they'll actually acknowledge you. You know, right. not only are they creative, but like they're aware of your presence.
1: So you dealt with this, like, really. Awful Richmond Snobbery? No, no, so I'm I, saying before the when I went to see live music, it was oh. like
0: going to the Coliseum where they're put on the same oh, show yeah. for everybody all the time. Oh, yeah. Then I start going to the Metro. That's and,
1: arena rock. And right. then you started going to like pers- ultra personal art right. rock shows. And and I'm going to see yeah. these
0: really creative, intelligent yeah. dudes
1: doing it like that are
0: I mean, they're 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 doing kind of crazy, you know. Like uh, thrown together shit, but they're oh, also yeah. really talented, really smart, like really yeah. educated guys. Well Breadwinner like... was out of this world, yeah. And yeah. that wasn't thrown together; that was no, heavily rehearsed. That was but...
1: insane math metal. It was math? You must have loved that. If you were a metalhead, you must have loved it. Yeah,
0: because that was like my intro <clears throat> to stuff. Like around that time, I was coming out of being in the just. Stupid hair metal shit. And then I was starting to get into thrash, you know, like, you know, yeah. Metallica and Slayer. But
1: Did you je- get into Voivod and like a um, little bit prong. You remember that band prong? Oh, yeah. I like prong a lot. I saw yeah. prong. I saw prong. it at- Do you ever go up to DC space? Seems like they had a lot of metal up there.
0: I just know. you know, this all is just me weird. Like I got mm. real into that like 90s shit, you know, Soundgarden yeah. and I got a yeah, yeah, grunge yeah.
1: thing and they were good know. live Soundgarden mm-hmm. for sure. How about White Zombie did you get into I that I did like that yeah yeah yep. I was at a wedding last year with a remember that bass player Sean, from White White Zombie the, the woman yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Didn't she's she, cool she's really she
0: cool She was Rob Zombie's girlfriend yeah, or something and then for she years. hooked up with
1: like the drummer and they I have no idea something. yeah but she was really
0: cool she's a really cool girl I mean my my fucking uh trajectory through this shit was complete mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. uh accidents you know yeah, like, yeah. i had the taste to appreciate the shit when mm-hmm. it was put in front of me but i right. wasn't an exhaustive record bin
1: right you know, th- you know rifler i would like so you did, did you go to plan nine a lot
0: just to get specific shit i really yeah. wasn't a, a dude that went and shot like shopped for records and i
1: had the fortune of starting to go there when i was like about 14 and 15 that's when i really started to buy records mm-hmm. and the records i bought at the start were like I bought a lot of English stuff, you know, like a lot of just whatever. I'd buy anything. I'm sure you know. some of it turned out some of it I still listen to all the time and some of it I I completely discarded. Or some things like I didn't get at all when I bought them when I was like 13 and like 10 years later. Even now, like I can't believe I bought them when I was a kid. It was just kind of like lucky. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as I could start driving, I was there all the time and i had a and, and i had a radio show when i was in high school at university of richmond at WDCE oh, yeah? yeah with my friend norty who, who unfortunately passed away from um he had brain tumors in his early 20s he was my best friend from trinity and we got into and west and steve west but steve west kind of went off he he was like he had a band when then we was like 14 15 you know mm-hmm. so like he mm-hmm. he was playing music and practicing music and had a drum set and we all thought that was cool and everything but since we couldn't play, we were more into like buying records and going to see shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Richmond had a fair amount of like <clears throat> all ages stuff and matinee stuff. A lot of bands would play two shows in one night and stuff, but it also, there was that guy Mark Thomason that booked a lot of shows. Yeah. You know him? Uh huh. Yeah. And he, I got he to, he was
0: booking at the Metro and then he went over to Twisters. Right? Exactly. Right. And
1: I got to be friends with that guy. I don't know where he is now. And he knew that I didn't drink as a teenager. And he would let me into shows. He'd put, like, the two black X's on my hands. He, knew hand. he so I trust to, you in there. He'd trust right. me not to yeah. come anywhere near the bar. In fact, he'd go so far as to, like, introduce me to the bartender. And I'd get there, like, an hour before everything started and be like, hey, look, you know, like, this guy doesn't drink. If he comes anywhere near the bar, let me know and I'll throw him out. Mm-hmm. But they, Which they can't do now. Right. You know what I mean? just can't be in there They can't all. let you. Yeah, you can't. Right. Which was kind of cool because I got to see a lot of things. That I'd no way I would have been able to see, mm-hmm. you know. Because Richmond was a pretty late night town, too. It always still is. I mean, this thing I'm doing tomorrow night's at ten, like ten thirty to two. Yeah.
0: A lot of yeah, people complain a, about that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, I don't care it, myself. It's,
0: again, it's their fucking age group, you know. Like yeah. when we were between 18 and 25 everybody works like in restaurants and yeah whatever late and night you doesn't matter if you you get off work it's perfect timing you can get off and catch the headliner yeah yeah know? yeah no like, that's the
1: thing when new york was like a crazy late night place like i used to drive my favorite shift to drive when i was a bus driver was 3 30 in the afternoon until midnight mm-hmm. and because you get off at midnight and that's kind of like you show up fresh and like you know your friends are have already had like three seven dollar beers right. which I out probably like 17 dollar beers now right <laughs> so if you if we, you buy around and if you want to go where are we going to hang out the lower mm-hmm. east side if we buy around it's like 30 bucks you know man i
0: didn't even pay for the fucking beers inside i drank my 40 ounce well, oh yeah that's the thing and when it, we
1: you don't have that option anymore yeah see because yeah. when i lived in my in maxwell's we lived a hundred feet from and we lived in Hoboken, we lived 100 feet from Maxwell's, and they had that back. Did you go over to Maxwell's when you lived in New York? You must have come I, to Jersey. I went
0: once, like, I think Yola Tango or something
1: like that. Yeah. You know? But, like, I didn't, man, I didn't cross the river. See, it's cool, the, the same thing. Like Everything bands, was in the East Village. Yeah, know. bands, the same bands that would play in the East Village would play the next night in Hoboken right. or vice versa. So if you wanted to see them twice, you could come to Hoboken. I went to Mercury Lounge at Brownies. Mercury and, Lounge. And, yeah, I you know, went to those places for sure. And, Brownies, I forgot about that place. Yeah, I went to those places. Lots of good shows yeah. at Brownies. Yeah, but Maxwell is very similar. and It was like a New York club that just happened to be in New Jersey. But the right. great thing for us was is you could get like a six-pack of beer and you could stand there on that dark sidewalk And we'd torn slats out of their blinds, and you could watch the band while you drank (laughs) beers on the sidewalk. And then if you really loved it, then you'd pay $8 and and go in.
0: I was thinking about this the other day. I never had like a bar tab in a bar Mm – I always drink. drank. It's a foreign concept. Yeah, in, in those bars in New York, I went yeah. to International Bar. I went to Lakeside Lounge. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. those places. I got drunk before I went. Yeah, like, yeah. I Save money. Would have, right? One beer. I, I couldn't afford to drink bars. No, you can't. Bars, period. really can't now. $300 a week. Yeah. Yeah, we really can't now.
1: That's the thing is, yeah, you would definitely like walk up at whatever deal you're drinking at home. Or, and the thing is, you could drink on the street. I, mean, I think you'd probably look like a derelict. And when I went to New York last summer, or summer before last, I walked from like near CBs all the way up to Midtown to meet a friend of mine, and and I felt like everybody was looking at me like I was the biggest derelict on the street. It was really mm-hmm. weird. I mean, yeah, I, we
0: would you know. like my buddy and I would get like get a uh, couple of forty ounces or something like yeah. that. I get a pint of vodka, and we would yeah. hang out in our house until about ten o'clock. Yeah, and then we would walk with another forty ounce from. Yeah. like say there to wherever the show was, or over to like, the, um, you remember Don Hills? Oh yeah, like, yeah. Uh, walk over there drinking the beers while he walks. As long as it was in the bag, nobody gave a shit. Yeah. A cop once walked up to me. I was standing in front of Bowery Bar. Yeah. Uh, drinking a beer, and he came up to me. He goes, "What are you doing?" And I said, well, <laughs> "I'm just drinking a beer." And he said, "You're not supposed to drink it when I'm around." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Like, he was well, like, I, yeah. "I said I didn't see you." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. He goes, well, you honestly and he just laughed, the best he, goes, he didn't see me. And he walked yeah. off. He didn't tell me to pour it out. He didn't say shit. Yeah. Other than that, he was just like, remember the rules. Like, don't be right. so brazen. And yeah. you can smoke a joint, drink beer, sit in the park. Yeah. Tompkins Square Park, Central Park, whatever. Like, nobody. Yeah.
1: I don't think you can anymore. No. Uh-uh. No. I but think it's, it's all. These are all pre-Giuliani. Pre-Ju- pre-quality BN. of life. And then pre-Giuliani, me. then pre-9-11. I yeah. think there's that's a whole other level of uptightness. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. New York, maybe it's still cool. I mean, I know there's cool people there. I mean, I've got a lot of friends. I just just, it's not cool in the way that I – mean, It's just and, not as dangerous. Not a, it's
0: not a generational thing. It's yeah. like, at, to me, after like – not even 9-11. After fucking Friends, yeah. when mainstream yeah, yeah. like – Was that New York-based? Kids, based? That's yeah. New York? Oh, okay. Even though it wasn't shot there. It was yeah, supposed, it's supposed to be New York. Be, right. So oh, wow. all of these rich kids, they weren't they weren't drawn there to the chaos mm-hmm. of like – uh, almost a third world city that was like the late 80s, you know. Yeah, that, that, rough with drugs. Right, and right. Like, they were drawn to Rachel and Ross like sitting in the coffee that's shop. That's a factor. Then, yeah. And, and so Seinfeld. Once those motherfuckers yeah. started moving in, the rents went up and like
1: – Really? You couldn't – That's what it was. Like you actually – Yeah, never I heard the friends. It. I say like You blame friends. I, I
0: totally remember looking yeah. at a fucking Rolling Stone in a newsstand on Avenue A yeah. and saying these Whoa. motherfuckers are ruining it for everybody. They're like – so you
1: blame the friends instead of Giuliani.
0: You, it, to live on East 7th Street yeah, in that's 1993, real. Yeah. you
1: had to know
0: how to act. You had to have street yeah. smarts. You had to it's not tail with the too. drug dealers. You didn't yeah. want to go too far right. past Avenue C. And if you did, you had to know how to act. Oh, yeah, and yeah. You had to be really...
1: Basically keep to your own devices. That's and right. And you had to be fast. interested
0: in... There was just yeah. a whole lot. When Giuliani enforced all those laws, he yeah. busted up the drug 50, dealers. He made cops it safe for people who... It, they could have. They could be doing what they're doing in New York anywhere. Right, you know? right, right. They just decided they wanted to be in that setting on yeah. that stage. And well, like, Giuliani. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. and he made it. He said, "Oh, your know,
1: friends could have been in Boston or Cleveland or whatever." Right. The, okay, okay, friends. Right. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, the people that watched that shit, they didn't yeah. move to New York because there's some culture they wanted to be part of. It was a total fucking fashion yeah. thing, you know. And, right. And, and I don't think I'm being. I mean, I went there because i wanted to be close to something yeah and, and i i didn't even have a career plan i didn't yeah. want to i the last thing i was thinking about was a job i just was like i want to get closer to this right shit that that seems so yeah right. yeah,
1: yeah no that's why i went to an 89 yeah and it was we'd go all the time and take road trips up there in college but like it's kind of it's like a lot of really cool artists and really cool bands like and just cool people in general got priced out yeah, that's what's weird. Or they kind of moved to Queens, or they mm-hmm. kind of moved like they kind of moved to like less appealing. They just neighborhoods. keep moving but, like, I mean, they hit I know Philly. There's, there's yeah. a really great band from Kansas City now. It's a two piece band, and they lived in Brooklyn. They stayed there as long as they could hold on. This band called Schwervon, mm-hmm. just a two piece. The woman Nan plays drums, and and um <clears throat> the. A guy Matt, he plays guitar and sings, and they're fantastic. And they loved Brooklyn. I mean, they moved there as a couple. They had their band. They put out records. They played in Brooklyn. They played in Manhattan. You know, all the small clubs, and they're really good. And they're two piece, so it's like pretty affordable. And they just got to the point where their rent went from like. You know, right. nine fifty to eleven hundred to thirteen hundred, seventeen fifty. I mean, like I know people that had like beautiful loft spaces. They Steve West had a great loft space in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right in Huge. Williamsburg. It was on like n- it was right by the turkeys nest. Remember mm-hmm. that bar, of the turkeys nest. I I went to that place. I, yeah, it was I, great. I, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. they part- used to they used to sell seventy five cent um draft beers, twenty four ounce draft beers for seventy five cents in styrofoam cups mm-hmm. to go. You know it was weird. I mean, like that whole area, and I haven't been there. I, I shouldn't really judge it.
0: Well, it's is just it, this is really – look, we can't compare what we got going now to what was going on then. Because right. I didn't even have a cell phone. I didn't have an email address oh, no, I didn't have when I lived phone, yeah. in New York. No, like, no, definitely not. If somebody not. wanted to call me, they left a message on my home voicemail, it's and i check it from my from a payphone. Yeah, same. Like it's, it's a completely different, it's a different playing world. field, right? Yeah. I, but I can find out about more shit. Mm -hmm. you know, through the internet and connect with people all over the world and all over the the country. I think it's, I just, I think it's just really different. I don't think it's cooler or less cooler though. I'm Mm -hmm. not, I was really interested in being that drunk, guy that was like dropped into the middle of this thing that was dicey and Mm -hmm. like it might offend somebody and Mm -hmm. i might offend somebody right i loved all of that energy when i was like i mean your size I mean, you're a
1: big lad so like it right right, as my english friends would say you're a big unit Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um so that's kind of and i really you're sort of
0: built to like i wasn't when i moved to new york i was like a fucking 50 skinny guy yeah but
1: yeah i was still a big guy like i'm big too like we're whatever we're not small guys right so that kind of helps. like Nobody like, messes with me at all. To, I'm
0: not talking about like. When I got fights, ripped I'm off, I'm talking by the about guys. more like Gigi Allen, like. Offensive, no, yeah, no. You know, like, just no, you just wanted to be yourself. Get a rise out thing. of somebody. Like, right. You know.
1: But you know the <laughs> whole thing with like. Did you ever get suckered into playing like the games with the little red balls into the caps and stuff like the that? Three mo- well, no, the three no, card. Well, no, no. There's three card It's like that, but what is shell it? Game, but shell game. Shell game. It's like game. with little yeah, soda caps and the red things, you know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I never played. I watched. I got burned. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I got burned. And I and then I remember one time um, back when VCRs, like you ha- everybody had to have a VCR. And I think they cost like $250 yeah, at yeah, the yeah. time. It was a big deal. I think I know where you're going with this. And, uh, yeah, we bought the box of right, nothing. Box of rocks. We bought the box of rocks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, for 40 bucks. I loved yeah. it. I loved
0: all of that shit. I loved yeah. the idea that when I was living in the East Village, I would venture further east or into some dicey – You had to fucking know what you were doing. Yeah. there was some danger and there was some risk involved. Very much so. And it was like going, you know, on safari or some shit. You know, like you could – something really crazy could be around the corner. Right. I I never got hurt at all. I got ripped off. Yeah. I tried to, like, cop from somebody who just took my money and left me, you you know, in a stairwell somewhere. The way it goes. Yeah. But overall, like, it wasn't – I was – just really attracted to the chaos down yeah. there. and there's not as much chaos. So I don't think there's that. any, I think you yeah. got to go
1: pretty far out. I mean, I think, I mean, I actually do have a lot of people that live in that area still that are like, you know, my age, you know, our age or whatever, a little bit younger. How old are you? 48. I'm 45. Yeah. Yeah. 45. So, you know, mid to late 40s. You know, I know people that are, you know, as young as like mid thirties. Most people I know there now are making bank, you mm-hmm. know, so like, I mean, that's the thing. is. I mean, I've actually gotten some pretty interesting job offers to go to New York in the last two years, and I would have loved to have taken the jobs. But, like, you know, essentially for, like, somebody, like, I have a wife and a dog now, and for me to move my whole act from Des Moines, which is, like, way cheaper than Richmond.
0: Dude, I love the Midwest. Midwest, Des Moines, great.
1: Midwest is great. But in order for me to do that, i got to make, like, 150 a year. Mm -hmm. And, like, in horse racing and you know, most music industry type things, I'm not moving to New York. Yeah. Know? So i mean, I like yeah. to go visit there. It's an yeah. old thing again. I'd go you know? and like, and I've got friends there and stuff like that. I, I need to figure out a way to get up there. But, um, yeah, just the whole, the last few times I've been there, it just, <laughs> it just feels weird. And it, like, it is hard to go back to anywhere. Like it's even hard for me to like, I went, I was in Charlottesville in the late, 80s and that town's completely different I mean, mm-hmm. you can actually draw parallels in a lot of ways i mean it seems like dave matthews owns like a sixth of the town there i mean it's always been kind of a pretty hip place in a way right. you know and there's always been money for there. the size
0: really is, hip but yeah. i mean like
1: it's really pretty trendy and like it's kind of over the top and like i was well, just hanging out with some guys our age the other day up there that have been there for a while and like just like the, the psychological aspect of like young people coming in there like every year like first year students or whatever just like to me it's just like it's weird it's really weird I'm just happy like you just have to kind of whether yeah, no matter gonna, where you are you have to kind of be be cool happy with it, right? with where you are at the time and if it's brutal then you got to move i mean like so I was, i'm happy it, to be out of the deep south like yeah. kind of happy to be out of the deep south so
0: much of it really has to do with your fucking attitude you know? yeah i mean because i was in the coolest shit mm-hmm. you could ask to be a part of when i yeah. was in new york and yeah. i was miserable mm-hmm. i was every day i went to matador going this sucks and like really yeah and it was yeah. a fucking awesome
1: because there's so back. many negative thought, like, vibes in there probably well,
0: you know rusty yelled at me a lot you know she was really hard on me but I was kind
1: of a fuck up. Was I mean. that the vodka talking, or not for her? She, she was, was clean sober at that point. point. Oh, so, so she was a miserable. But
0: I was a drunk. She was a dry yeah. drunk, and like, and I yeah. also like a dry drunk. Yeah, I wanted to be Russell yeah. Simmons. You yeah. know, I didn't want to be the guy packing the fucking boxes back there. So, like, yeah. even though it was a great job, a great way to get connected to people and meet people and go see shows. Yeah, I was. You know, my ego was saying, "Man, you're like the dishwasher of this right. whole thing." Which is ridiculous, but like you know, it was just I mean, my mindset at the times. I should yeah. be one of the, right. the players, not yeah, the fucking. And how long sport. were there? Two or three years? I worked
1: there for over two years. Yeah, and there was no chance of any promotion at any point, or well,
0: there was. But I, yeah. I was a fuck up, you know. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, yeah. I would come in there drunk in the middle of the night, let myself in, and go to right. sleep in the aisles. Oh, of the, really? So that I could be at work the next day because I called in so many times. Rusty had said, "You do it one more time, you're fired." Yeah, you know. And but Chris would say, "No, no, he's not fired," and then. Yeah. You know, it would be just back and forth. And, yeah. and I was like, I fucked up almost every order I pulled because I was like, I don't give a fuck about this CDLP, yeah. who cares?
1: You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Was, Is that it, why you got fired eventually? Like, it was a host
0: of reasons. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, I came in there drunk too many one demerits time and, and locked the bathroom door
1: and went to sleep in wow. the bathroom. Was anybody else doing that kind of thing? Or are you not just I was kind the of the flying only flying solo? And really? I mean,
0: somebody's got to be the. The one, the perpetrator. Yeah. Everybody yeah. else is taking it real serious. I mean, Gerard yeah. would always kind of defend... Everybody Gerard. needs an asshole. Uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> would kind of defend me, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's, a, it's a punk label. Like, somebody, yeah.
1: Somebody's got to be... That's funny, because I've done that sort of thing, too. Like, I've gone into work in the middle of the night, like, out of desperation. But, um, like, there was this whole week... <laughs> just because you don't want to miss work. I almost
0: got... When the, when Now I Got Worry came out, that was like yeah. the biggest thing that we had tried to ship out of yeah. the offices and it was late. Right. And we got all of the LPs and CDs and tapes like the day before Street Date or some shit. Yeah. And it was me and Conrad trying to fucking ship out like, yeah. hunt, like a hundred thousand fucking oh, records yeah, yeah, in yeah, hardcore yeah. boxes. Yeah, like it was, it was a nightmare, and we the shit was all up and down the aisles, and I was like, you know, we did this on these little UPS computers at the time. Yeah, I know. And you had to check or not check COD, right? And I sent a whole shitload of them COD to people who couldn't afford. Oh yeah, you know, they were used to just getting it and having thirty days to pay for it, and they were all fucking They get all sent back. Yeah, there was just a big nightmare. Mad at all the salespeople, mad at Rusty and everything. Because this he oh, got trouble for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was that was like halfway through my tenure, Stint. and they almost fired me for that, but they
1: yeah let me stay on. we just yeah. ticked the wrong box or something. Yeah, it's like now, it, like when like dealing with the artists, like you know, how bands came in there a lot. Like like Bell and Sebastian would swing by when they yeah, were yeah. in town. Like or you know, it seems like every time I was in there, like Yola Tango was in there. Yeah. Um, George and Ira and stuff, not not as much James. But like is there any bands that um when you were working there that you would come in that you have f- um found objectionable? I really th- like this
0: is kind of stupid, but I really yeah. didn't like uh the <laughs> blues explosion guys that much. I uh, thought John himself, Not so much him, he was cool. I uh, thought the Russell Drummer was, Russell. Yeah, like yeah. a douchebag. I i kinda yeah, thought he was kinda time. living
1: the New York rock and roll dream. Yeah. And then the other guy Judah. Judah yeah. He, he was kinda quiet. He didn't bother me. Yeah.
0: Those guys bothered me the most of anybody. That's funny, yeah. But,
1: I could see that.
0: But, the, but overall, like, I realized pretty quickly that, like, it was me, like, cause I met Bob Pollard. The guy was fucking awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, he'd come back there and drink in the yeah. shipping department with us, and, like, yeah. I mean, everybody was super nice, and, like, yeah. like really, they didn't treat us like dishwashers. How about Belle and yeah.
1: Sebastian? They seem like very that demure and shy. totally at the tail
0: end of okay. my being there. Like, I think they,
1: they oh, got... So it was one of their great albums for coming out. Like, if you're feeling What's sinister. Was that Arab Strap? That's a second that Arab yeah. Strap. So yeah. yeah.
0: they actually... What I remember about them is this is like my last week at Matador. They <laughs> yeah. come there to do a tour, and one of them turned out to have like really bad tinnitus or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had to bring all their equipment. We had to bring all of their fucking equipment yeah. in through the freight elevator and i met them then and they were like oh yeah. we can't play our tour because of my ear and wow. whatever and that was that was the only time i met a fragile most... people what's that fragile? fragile yes i mean that's <laughs> tonight is rock and roll band come did on did you ever
1: see the thing um did you go to the matador 21 year thing and in, in vegas no. in 2010 mm-hmm Oh, I bet you would have enjoyed some of that. Yeah,
0: it was a weird... I mean, you know, when I, after I got fired, it was like there was kind of bad blood yeah, yeah, for yeah. a while. Like, I was still cool with... Certain, Are you still in touch with any of those people? Adam Carroll. And like, yeah. And he's like big you know, financial guy at beggars now. Is he? But really? I, had, I was in a band with him. You know? Oh,
1: wow. So he hit the nail on the head. He's like a he, music, he's a music industry success. So many toy. people
0: stuck it out. And like, I didn't take that job seriously at all. To me, yeah. it literally was a dishwashing job. And yeah. Like, well, it's yeah, similar. It's quite similar, but there was tons of opportunity there. Yeah. I just didn't like,
1: yeah. I, and you were in time, there at the right time. I wanted
0: what I want, what I wanted. Yeah.
1: I wasn't looking at the future. Your priority like. was your own personal party. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was, that's the way it goes. It's not like you didn't have a good time.
0: No, looking back on it, it was fucking ideal. Like, yeah, but at the time, I wasn't. But Adam's got a good job leader. now. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know a guy there? whose name? You probably don't name like his name's like Dean Bean or something like that. No, maybe it was Completely his
0: turn. like Patrick. I know is still, he's still there.
1: Yeah, and Rusty and
0: Adam and maybe Dave. But Dave is there. I don't. He wasn't there when I was. That's like after me. Oh yeah, yeah Gabe's there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he
1: must be. He must have not come that long. When were you? What, you were there until ninety eight? I was there ninety six to ninety eight. Yeah, so and then, so then I went to Tony Allen High. So he plans to come in the next year because I think he was that last pavement album. He was there. Well, oh yeah, what was the last one? Terra Twilight. Twilight. Yeah, it's whatever.
0: I was there for. I don't even know if I listened. to... I mean, I was a huge fan of Slanted, Enchanted, and Crooked yes, Rain, and Wowie Zowie, and yeah, and, then and Bright, Bright in, the, in corners. the Corners. I really, yeah, liked all that.
1: four of them are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, generally speaking, *Twilight* Twilight's the one that people like the least, but. Some people love it. You I had just
0: know. like vibed out
1: of mm-hmm. listening to that. indie rock and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think. What'd you listen to? Like, what'd you get into after you after you left Matador? Almost exclusively moved back here.
0: What came out on Man's Ruin? Out of, yeah, like, uh, yeah. You know, I liked Queens of the Stone Age and where yeah. that was going, and then I like Fu Manchu and yeah. Nebula and so that whole scene. I never paid any attention
1: to. Yeah, the desert. Are you still into that the fuzz? stuff.
0: Yeah um yeah actually yeah. i still i listen to high on so you'd fire you'd have been at that eagles
1: guys. of death metal show in paris then
0: you know i liked those when josh is playing with them josh Homme. Yeah. you know but yeah i, I like that you'd first have been there record. probably
1: maybe probably if you were in paris you'd be like well let's go see those maybe that would be weird in town out. yeah i played there at that club the, the uh, what's it bataclan. called again? the bataclan yeah. yeah we played there in 97 that's it's cool fucking scary in there shit. it's really
0: pretty to think of being in a rock show like that, and and dudes just come in and start spraying,
1: yeah. Like a I rock mean, if you show. think about it, though, like it's a pretty wise target, yeah. Because essentially, what you have there is you've got fifteen hundred like people between i like sixteen and fifty, okay, and like they just basically hand their ticket to somebody and I don't even think they even get frisked. Right. And it's a huge crowd and it's dark. And you've got probably two security guards at the front and then two at the back and then two like on the stage and like two you probably have like six to eight security guards and you've got fifteen hundred people and I don't even know. And they're also Docile. And I don't think they're, yeah, and I don't think that they're armed security as well. They might have a stick, like the ones in the, you know, what pit or whatever. And um, so, yeah, I think it's quite clear that somebody as part of that group of terrorists definitely went into that place. It seems like a weird choice, in. though. Like, I don't know where that club
0: is in Paris. I a, do, yeah. You know? I mean,
1: they kind of... I mean, I think they just... I think they kind of case that neighborhood, and I... I Did this, this
0: all happen in the same neighborhood?
1: Pretty close. The restaurants and the, the restaurants the and the club. What is the I think it's 11's where Bataclan is, and okay. like 10 is where the restaurants were. That's a guess. Uh-huh. Um But uh somebody had to have gone in there and just been like, this is like a great place to just like... And the, the, the thing that... I wonder if somebody... I wonder if there's any connection to the fact that it was a U.S. band and any connection to the fact that the band was called Eagles of Death Metal. And they found that pretty – like they saw that on the calendar. Because right. those calendars are all over the neighborhood. Got no irony out of it. Didn't realize yeah. it was just a that, bunch oh, of no, goofy no, no, dudes. No. There's no right. way that they would have any <laughs> knowledge – I mean, you'd have to be pretty into like that scene to know what right. it was. I think that 99.8% of the or people metal about any of that. No, like, no, they're basically more like pavement than they are like, you know, Metallica yeah. or whatever. And, and metallic is not death metal. I it's say, just sarcastic. I, it's like in right. cheek name, you know, totally joke
0: is yeah. a complete joke. And yeah. I, the thing I saw a video of them. Starting their show, when yeah. the shots broke out, and yeah, I was I saw really that, impressed yeah. that Jesse Hughes, like, yeah. got he ran, he like turned around and ran off. The drummer is that the drummer or the no, singer? The, guitar, the singer, 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 yeah, the guy with the beard. Player, the bass, no, he's the bass player. That okay, dude with
1: the beard. The drummer I saw dive under his kit, you know.
0: Yeah, but the smart. bass player was just standing up there like frozen, like you know what's going on. And I was kind of impressed that those dudes, like, not really knowing what the fuck was going on, were headed. Uh, I think
1: he, I think the you know I think the one that really knew was the drummer. Because the the drummer, because it sound it, what it sounded like was like it, it sounded like his drum kit was like doing something. So he was like, "Hold on, that's not my drums." Right. It was a horrible incident, obviously. but like all the places, all the times that Pavement had the fortune of playing in glorious places like that all around Europe and you know the U.S. and elsewhere, you can I mean you could see how. And I mean, I did it a thousand times. Very fortunate to like get away with being targeted. And then what's kind of going to suck is because of incidents like that. Now there's everywhere is going to be like full board, yeah, security. I don't know if it'll be like small rock clubs, you know, but <clears throat> like anytime you go to see a ticketed event that has more than a thousand people, probably so you anywhere. you it down
0: already, yeah. I mean, I could, I've
1: yeah, here to, in a lot of places, mm-hmm. yeah. I went to a game when I went to Mexico City. I went to a soccer game, and it was crazy. Like, crowd was really laid back. It was a really great experience. But I, we had to take our belts off. Mm -hmm. You had to check your belt because I guess people start fights with belt buckles. (laughs) So like my pants don't stay up if I don't have a belt. <laughs> oh, no, you had
0: to leave your belt. In you there, had to like, check your oh, belt like the oh, same way you check your coat. You oh, can't like the cops okay. pat you down
1: and they feel that you have a belt buckle and they make you take off your belt. So I, I thought I, that
0: you just meant you had to show it to them. So no, you no, to no. no. Check, I spent two and a half
1: hours like with my pulling my pants up, <laughs> You know, and sitting in a chair because, and when I went to the bathroom, I had to like pull pull my pants because I, if I don't have a belt on, like I hate even like the. The ad that aspect of the airport yeah. security thing because as soon as I take my belt off, mm-hmm. and they raise my hands like that, pants are do the thing. Down. My pants are down. They're down. <laughs> Maybe you should you start I mean? wearing
0: suspenders. Underneath I,
1: that's the, what I thought about, but
0: underneath the so you can still maintain the same silhouette. But yeah, I guess like, so. Maybe I have should this.
1: start wearing. But suspenders, like, what is that? Like, is what kind of fashion move is that? Suspenders. What do you? It saying? depends on the width. Are you surrendering of them. your? So there's a certain style that's sort of acceptable. Well, of course, there's always the oi connection,
0: you know, or the... Exactly. Like I don't want to know if I yeah. want to cross into that too much. Well, if it's under your shirt, like, I think there's definitely... that. I don't know what that was. Like, that's sort of the turn of the century where they would have the wife beater and the suspenders and then the shirt over the <laughs> Right, 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 right. So nobody yeah, would right. even know you'd there you can wear them. But they are kind of cool, like, because you can have your pants as loose as you want and they'll be maintained at the, at the right I height. I like that. You know? Belcher. Yeah, so you can
1: eat as like you can go to these like, like these feeding troughs. These like totally. all you can eat like Chinese buffets that have like basically shrimps and like donut flour mm-hmm. and like uh-huh. those. You know like, that's
0: biscuit dough, like biscuit <laughs> yeah, biscuit dough, Seriously, really fried.
1: And... What is those like pinkish red Chinese spare ribs? That's yeah. That's things? what
0: they're called. Yeah, they're <laughs> spare ribs. the Chinese yeah. spare ribs. You get them like, red. Yeah,
1: like just oddly overcooked broccoli and like puddings and ice mm-hmm. creams and like. So I can eat at one of those things all day. Like all the other people, that go to these things and they sit and they don't talk to each other for three or four hours and they just mm-hmm. stack their plates. They have this in Richmond. This like old oh, hell yeah. buffet. Oh, yeah, have, they have feeding stations. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they, you know they have. There's yeah. a range of them. There's the golden corral type thing. Then there's right. the seafood type That's one, and steak-y. then there's the
1: Chinese one, the hibachi's, and the, the Chinese ones are the, the ones that yeah. are really intrigue me. I the eat most. At those a lot, actually. You've you, eaten at those, yeah? Because you can you can that get
0: you, relatively healthy shit in there. if really? you want to like? I mean, so they just, have salad you, bars. You've and,
1: disciplined yourself. You go to Chinese yeah. buffets. I and don't you don't eat the fried donuts and the jello. Is this part of your? $25? Yes, it is. On the so expense like, uh-huh, so uh-huh. you find yourself in America's all-you-can-eat Chinese buffets. Like I, I do. I, just, no shit. I choose to eat there. There's one wow. in Harrisburg,
0: Pennsylvania I
1: go to. And, oh, and they have oh, – As Oh you should start taking pictures in these, you should make a whole series. It's take, a slice and putting of them them on fucking Facebook. life for sure. Yeah, there. no, it is. I like, try to catch other diners. Because like, I find it very dis- – like, I went to one in Wyoming right off the highway um, several years ago. and Myself, Kevin Guthrie, and I—we sat down. And, like we're both kind of big guys, and we're both two hundred pounds. And like we noticed that the place was full, and that nobody was speaking, and everybody had like a stack of at least three or four plates. In some cases, eight or nine. That people just kind of sat there all day mm-hmm. and didn't talk and just slowly fed. Mm-hmm. It's like a feed lot. <laughs> they fed. It's a power feeding <laughs> lot. It's a feeding lot. Yeah, it's just an amazing concept. So what you're trying to do? as you're trying to take advantage of the value and that, the variety and
0: the variety, because <laughs> I don't eat feel like in eating a the whole plate of one thing. So I'm like- Curtis,
1: I think that I've got to go, but I think that you should recognize that this is kind of a glorious opportunity for you to be doing like a photo documentary mm. inside these places, not only of the food, but like of the decor, the decor has to be incredibly bad. And just the other, it's diners. very
0: Vegas like slot, you know, machine. Exactly like same thing, you know. The other diners are you know. amazing
1: though. Yeah, but you know, in it's, Iowa it's you get some very big people in there. Very big.
0: Yeah, it's been, it's been the one I go is like the lunch rush, and I, you don't really see like people totally throwing down. Really? You know. it's like just, you need to open your eyes. It's just a quick you thing need to open you can your get eyes, in buddy. there, you get your plate, and they got some sushi and whatever. You can get in and out right. real fast. And you find and, the
1: quality's decent. It's good enough. And this is at this one place, or have you do you go to more, there's I've, more?
0: I've been to one out there, the same one a bunch of times.
1: Okay, You've you have got know, a favorite one? Yeah, yeah. it's. Yeah. R- do you want to give them a plug here on the show? It's do you the Hibachi
0: it? Grill and Buffet on Paxton Avenue in Harrisburg. <laughs> there you right go. Next to the Bass That's to be Pro the official <laughs> restaurant of the uh,
1: tantric conversation. <laughs> That's right. There you go. That's
0: right because you can get you can have a tantric meal there. So <laughs> <you can>
1: eat, <laughs> eat as long as you if want if you choose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> alright
0: man thanks for coming I gotta yeah, get you back yeah thank you
1: very much Yeah. alright so that's there we go
0: an hour and a half of Bob Nastanovich Curtis Payne yakking away catching up Goddamn, he threw so many threads at me I couldn't even pick them all up I was just like I was trying to pick up a whole bunch of cash off the ground and dropping it all hopefully we managed to get something out of that I know I got something out of it I had a great time talking to the dude and I forgot how charming he is and what a uh, what a charismatic dude he was and uh, it was uh, unfortunately I didn't make it to the little um, feed more thing they did at Baliso but apparently it was a big success and they raised a bunch of money for more, and everybody had a good time so um, good for you guys nicely done I wish I'd seen that Lady God is there too, with the new keyboard player. I think that's the girl that used to be in Diamond Center, playing with them now. Anyway, hey y'all. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know why it took me so long. I just kind of fell out of, I fell out of the urge. I got a little bummed on the whole project. Forgot why I was doing it, and I'm really glad that uh, something came along to kind of kickstart me again because this is a damn good time. If nothing else, and uh, be looking out. I got a bunch of stuff lined up. I'm not going to mention any of it by name, lest people flake and it falls through. Because I'm I trying to get somebody today that flaked on me. You know who you are, dude. But um, yeah, there'll be more. There'll be more thrilling and exciting and interesting guests on tantric conversation for us to get tantric with. And remember, if you're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Make sure you strap on the feed bag at the Hibachi Grill and Buffet on Paxton Road near the Bass Pro Shops. Tell them Curtis sent you.